Hi, it's Tardy Toe Party. He's Bill. I'm Daniel. We're gonna fill up pop culture holes. Except our holes have already been filled, so I guess we're... We're evacuating our holes and refilling them or something, I guess? After awful April, I decided I wanted to change it up a little and do stuff that we know we're gonna enjoy. This is already paying dividends. I don't know if it's gonna pay dividends to our listeners. This could be a terrible podcast, who knows? But... It was it was a refreshing breath of fresh air to a refreshing breath of fresh well, air. There's been a would. lot of movies that we've both watched that we have enjoyed before that the other person hadn't seen before. But this was nice, like watching something that I was like, oh yeah, Daniel appreciates this too, and oh he's probably laughing at the same part that I'm laughing at while I'm watching it or something like that mm. too. So mm-hmm. and so yeah, we don't have a name for this month or anything like that. Nah. We, we like maybe well. If we come up with We're a name, we'll have enough. to do it like tonight or tomorrow because this is going up yeah. like in 36 hours. But um, this yeah. is uh, yeah after awful April. This is going to be um, fantastic May. <laughs> I can't think of like clever nah. um, no, something something. But yeah, th- w- this is going to be the start of five weeks of us talking about things that we both really like that yeah. we think are underrated. We this this was an evolution or- too of an idea because you said you wanted to do something that where we talked about stuff we liked. But yeah. then, of course, I was like, well, what do we talk-? <laughs> talk about Star Wars or something like that? But it, talking to you, it evolved into, yeah, stuff that we both mutually like, but we feel are kind of underrated or underrepresented yeah. by other, like, well, we try not to make this a movie-centric podcast, but it kind of turns and into not, ne- not fault, necessarily but... amazing things. Like, yeah. I think like, <sighs> one of my picks isn't necessarily amazing, but I really like watching it and have never really gotten Oh, my God, I've honestly completely it. forgotten what else we've picked for this month. <laughs> we talked about this cartoons. at length at the end of last week, and I've already forgot about it. Yeah, I got two cartoons, if that can help jog oh, your memory. Sh- Cats Don't Dance? That's it. And you Prince of it. Egypt. And, nope, we're back. A dinosaur story. <laughs> My two favorites. Cockadoodle-doo. Oh. What's the oh. Don Bluth chicken movie? The Rockadoodle. Rockadoodle. A troll in Central Park as well. <laughs> we're just hitting all the hits. A gnome named Norm. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Actually, we should no, do, but... like, an underrated, shitty B-movie 80s month or something like that. That's kind of what last month was. I know, well, that's what every offer... Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Although, and that, la- no. that was more me kind of browbeating that into shape last month with all the shitty uh, cr- 80s crying caper awful April picks that we, we wound up with. Uh. But no, this week we're talking about something much better than any of those films. We're talking about... Although, it is still 80s. It is still 80s. And it is still... B movie esque kind of under. I don't know. It's... Eh, this definitely did not get a wide release anywhere in the world. Yeah, but it's got a budget. It's got a budget. That's probably one of the problems with the movie, according to everyone who was who made it, was too much money was spent on the making of this film. I say not enough. So this is my pick. I'm starting off the month with 19. Oh God, what year was this actually released? 1989. 88. I should know because I spent like the whole middle part of the 80s. Uh, reading about the development of this movie as it was happening in both Starlog magazine mm. and like there was Cinema Fat Fantastique. There was a couple science fiction movie industry magazines that uh, kind of like how Terry Gilliam has spent the last decade trying to get uh, the Don Quixote movie made. Uh, this was kind of like what uh, Baron Munchausen, Munchausen was kind of the same thing for him in the 80s. Yeah, we're doing ba- the Adventures of Marion Munchausen. Yeah. Oh, that was the <laughs> least should... climactic way to actually announce what the title is. <laughs> yeah, it was released in 1988. Um, yeah, this is, yeah, Terry Gilliam, maybe his fourth film, I can't remember, um, 
This is fucking. I can't imagine we're ha we have anyone listening to this who has not already seen it. But it's the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Neither. Uh, yeah. Fuck. How how off how often do you see a podcast that talks about Baron Munchausen Seriously? or anything, anything talk about Baron Munchausen? You know what? I'm matter. sure if we go into YouTube, there's going to be at least like half a dozen YouTube reviewers being like, "Oh, we're going to talk about the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. We're going to have like you know the podcast image for this thing is going to be someone looking at a picture of John Neville going." Aah! But with a, a red circle with an arrow pointing at it. Oh, is that a thing? God, yeah, that's that's one of the things that YouTube recommends to get people to click on your thumbnails. Ooh. Have a something circled and an arrow pointing at something. I fucking hate film YouTube, but I fucking love Baron Munch. <laughs> and a face even better. <laughs> a face in the corner going, oh. That's. You know what the terrible thing is? Like I've seen like Red Letter Media and other people kind of like. You can tell that they're trying to parody the same thing, but not enough. But not so much that, like, they're not- they're still kind of buying it in, in enough that, like, it still becomes the thing that they're parodying enough that, like, you get the feeling they're like, okay, well, maybe some people will just click on this because they don't realize this is kind of a parody, and it's- it's becoming the thing that's being parodied, which is even a little more like- Yeah. Bleh. But anyway, that's another here there. We're talking about Terry Gilliam. Uh... <laughs> he, he spent all the money in Europe on a movie with, that looks like was made by a five-year-old. No. No, but it definitely no. like I love the texture of this film. It's very handmade. And but it's, oh, it God. also has the best makeup effects. This old age makeup effects ever put to screen. There's got to be. You know what actually watching I, I have the Blu-ray and I was watching this and I think the copy I lent off to use is, is pretty much almost the same thing. And uh, yeah, I didn't realize the detail in the I mean, this whole movie looks beautiful, but, like, the detailing and the makeup and even the hair and the wigs and everything in this movie is fucking bonkers. And this yeah. isn't even, like, a super crazy... It's not even, like, a crazy, like, brand new 4K restoration or anything like that. This is, like... This is just someone just ran off a quick scan of uh, one of the original uh, surviving, like, 35mm prints, I guess. So you're just getting a pretty rough uh, transfer. But, like, man, this movie's fucking gorgeous. Especially on a flat-screen mm -hmm. TV these days, like... It was always beautiful on CRTs and in the 80s and 90s, but fuck, man. And also, I can't think of any other movie that looks quite the same way this movie does. Yeah. In terms of the fonts, in terms of, like, the, yeah, like I said, the hair and makeup. Even other Terry Gilliam movies don't necessarily look this what? way, where it's all so crustily European and 17th, well, I guess late 18th century-ish. Um, and it, it does, you can't necessarily pinpoint at the time it was made like a lot of fantasies you can be like oh that was definitely made in the 80s yeah. or 90s or there's a 2000s. couple this kind of feels timeless and yeah yeah, yeah there's a couple spots where you're like oh that's, that's just oh. there's a couple dodgy blue screen effects where you're like okay yeah. that looks like a, this looks like a like a like a reject shot from robocop um mm. but like for generally though because there's so many models and weird I don't even know what you would describe half this stuff. Almost like weird little bits of puppeteering and matte paintings yeah. and shit like that. And like, like, and even aside, like, even aside from the special effects, just the live, like, purely live action stuff. Like, oh my god! Like the 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 the, the, the theater stage where they're with the characters within the film are putting on a production of the adventures of Baron Munchausen. You know, like a play within a film thing. That yeah. like the things they're using to bring the story of Baron Munchausen to life with, like, the big rollers acting as the water waves and the design of the, like, collapsing fish head and 
oh, there's a fucking that big, like, silver gold star or sun in the sky. Just like, oh my god. <laughs> you can see where they where the money in this movie went. It, 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 even if it went over double budget, like, it's not like for want of... It doesn't look like they just filmed this in a closet somewhere. Even though, like I said, it kind of looks a little childishly handmade at points, but that's kind of part of the charm. Oh my yeah. god. And they, <laughs> this is the kind of movie where you can totally tell, like, oh, they just used, like, cotton balls for the clouds in some scenes. But in a good way, where it's like, oh man, like, he could almost, like, reach into the screen and touch it. Like, it actually, yeah, you know, it, like, in the way the CGI can never really make, make you feel, but, you know. Well, I think CGI doesn't expect you to suspend your disbelief yeah. but movies like terry gilliam's films like baron Munchausen and time bandits it's easy to suspend your disbelief even though you're what you're looking at is obviously a model well and especially this movie in particular because the whole point of this movie is about suspension of disbelief and so even with the movies like more technically crusty parts that kind of fits the whole aesthetic you're kind of watching the cinematic uh, cinematic equivalent of the play that the people are watching in the movie where yeah, sure, you can see some of the seams and everything like that, but that's not the point. The point is the story and the charm, and the movie's asking you, kind of like saying, hey, take my hand, we're gonna go on adventure, I'm gonna show you, we got, I got mar- magic carpet ride, a whole new world, there are things to see. I can't remember the, <laughs> the rest of that song, but you know what I mean. You They're it. like, yeah, um, I'm nothing yeah. but a good Aladdin. I am typing yes. this topless while wearing a vest and a little teacup on my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but okay, we should actually start because we could just like suck this movie's dick from the start from for, for half an hour. But uh, yeah, Adventures yeah, Baron Munchausen starts off with a little black and uh, just a black screen with like I appreciate there's a little bit of an overture, but it's only like five seconds long. Just a black screen yeah. with a little bit of music. Which mm-hmm. thank you, Terry Gilliam. You're, we, I understand we're going for it, but you're not wasting our fucking time, which is always appreciated. Yeah. Um, who did? Who composed this? Anybody of note? This is Michael Kamen, who he also um, he actually he did the score for Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves, which sounds wow. a lot like this. Actually, um, he also did the score to Die Hard. Oh man, he did a whole bunch of stuff. He died a long time ago, but. Uh, this is definitely mm-hmm. one of my favorite things that he's ever done, just because it's so... Uh, it's big and boisterous, but I love the music. Like, the music that kicks in that's kind of uh, the the Baron's theme is kind of this oinking harpsichord music. Like, there's yeah. the big action, like, the big crescendo music that sounds like movie music, but, like, there's almost, like, in-world music that almost accompanies the Baron whenever he's doing stuff. Especially when he shows up at the beginning of the film where it's, like, horking harpsichord stuff. <sighs> Oh. Horking is the correct word to use when you're talking about a harpsichord. It's so, it I, sounds like someone's got, I, like, an accordion I made hate, out of a pig. I hate the harpsichord. I hate it so yeah, much. Yeah, but that's kind of the point. Like, they're kind of using instrument. it, like, in the most frou way possible. Um, no, it doesn't bother me in, like, period movies like this so much. But when I, if I turn on the classical music channel out here, yeah. and it's harpsichord playing, I'm like... I also did the score for, uh... Oh, Adventures in Babysitting. No. Die hard, okay. License to kill. Anyway, but that's not the point. Yeah, but anyway, but even the lady. fonts. Yeah, the fonts in the beginning too. Just like it's this master commander old timey fonts. It looks so good. Yeah, it's the late 18th century, the age of reason. It's Wednesday. Cannons are blowing the shit out of the town. <laughs> it's the first joke of the movie. That's probably already kind of like if you're not if you're not in the right frame of mood, you're probably going, oh, is that a joke? <laughs> like what? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, everyone everyone is very sad about the whole bombing thing. 
There's a shot of a headless statue riding a headless horse. Oh, God. Under it, uh, lots of papers posted about uh, orders, like, not don't eat so much, and also stop eating other people. Yeah, again, this, is, uh, this may be the first time I've watched this movie in HD, and, like, you actually get to see what... I'm sorry, there's a dog in here. If, if, if... How dare you, sir? He's people a... got used to the sound of a baby crying in the background, <laughs> but not a dog shaking his head. Uh, Dylan's dog, so he's a little bit restless. He might be scratching at the door a little bit, but... I, don't, I might have to take him out for a pee halfway through the podcast, but... Uh, yeah, watching this in HD for the first time, I could actually read the stuff that's written on those handbills plastered all over the, uh, the world, and... Uh, yeah, one of them is for, like, yeah, don't eat people... We we got no food. We got to ration food because there's a war on and everyone's getting bombed and stuff like that. Yeah, I do appreciate too. They never make an effort to tell you exactly where this is supposed to be taking place. It's just kind of some kind of like super European town. It's like Bush Gardens is being attacked uh, <laughs> by the Turks. All we know is by some water plays. But yeah, a crane pulls back to show the whole town square and a big old statue of death overlooking everything. Oh you yeah, know, that's it's a happy town. Yeah. Love that statue of death. Do we? It's just the statue, right? It's like we don't see the the actual version of death incarnate yet. No. Yeah. Uh, and elsewhere in later, a man with a very fake nose is on a stage. <laughs> what are you talking, talking about? Talking of talking about the large wheel of cheese. Oh, that fake nose! Upon. I thought you were already slagging on the makeup for the actual Baron. Mo oh, but yeah, he's got like the no. tied on nose, and he's got like the rouge on yeah. his cheeks and shit like that. Yeah. Uh huh. God damn! I uh. love this movie. <laughs> The same girl from earlier is walking around backstage, and it looks like a pretty bad show, but the production values are out of control. Top notch! I'm surprised there's not a video game that looks like this, what with, like, Cuphead doing the whole 1930s Fleischer Brothers thing? Like, everything is completely <sighs> fucked up in that town, but their backdrops and sets are impeccable. Yeah, and the crowd's all not wearing, a like, a singe mark on them. Man, and, like, yeah, look at the beautiful... I mean, I, know, I love how this movie goes to such great lengths to show what a shitty production... Uh, this, uh, production of Baron Munchausen is supposed to be... But they got... <laughs> the only competent people involved in this production seem to be the set designers and the set builders. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So, he gets eaten by a giant fish, two mermaids come out on stage singing, What will become of Baron? Yeah, and for people who don't know better, if you've never seen this movie before, you might be horrified to find out that's a super hot 16-year-old Uma Thurman. As one oh, of the she's mermaids. she's 16? She's 16, and Oliver Reed, wow. it's infamous how Oliver Reed tried real hard to get in her pants. And he was like 98 mm. years old. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Huh. Okay, well yeah, then. Yeah, Baron's telling a story. That's... His story, it's funny because I think, he's, is he telling a story about going to the moon and it's made out of cheese? Um, I guess, yeah. right, I've I never really just paid on... super close attention to the story he's telling. Oh, no, I think he's just telling an island that's made out... Have you ever tried to read any of the Baron Munchausen stories or anything like that? Fuck no! I tried a couple times in the early 90s, right after this movie came out, and there's a reason why people are a big fan of the Baron Munchausen movie, but not so much the books. So, I mean, granted, they've all been translated mm. maybe in the original German or whatever, they're better, but like... Now. It's all no, just very, like, random and not in a fun way. It's all just like... Yeah. Ugh, but, but what would you say if there was a cartoon about Baron Munchausen? <laughs> that might be a different thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, maybe we should, instead of this podcast episode, we should just link people to that. What the hell is that? you from 1944. Do you remember what it's, yeah, what it's I, called? I just searched for The Adventures of 
Baron Munchausen and uh, this old cartoon from 1944 that looks in some I thought it was sooner because some parts look computer animated but yeah. they're not they're they're just animated it's... really weird and it's I think it's German yeah just do YouTube something. well the only other real version of Baron Munchausen I knew in terms of film are uh, there's a famous version that was made by the Nazis uh, like in 1943 I think Mm. But I guess someone else, I don't know if, like, uh, maybe it's Slavic or something. Maybe it's not German, but, yeah, someone did a, like, short, like, is it just, I think it's only, like, seven minutes long or something like that. But, yeah, uh, yeah. do a YouTube search for Munchausen 1944, and you'll find this color cartoon where, especially the Baron himself, I think what they did was, like, I think they built a bunch of puppets, stop-motion animated them, and then traced over because the that would, motion that would track. and the perspective of everything is so fluid, but so unnatural. It looks like a CGI cartoon from, like, 1992, not ni ni 1944. It's the weirdest fucking yeah. thing you'll see. Um, but And at the end of it, he punches a wolf in its mouth. His fist comes out its asshole. He grabs its tail and turns it inside out, spilling its guts everywhere. And then a close-up of his face, and he winks at the camera. Well, there's a little bit of Popeye in there, too. And I wonder yeah. if whoever made that was like, you know what, Baron Munchausen is pretty cool, cool, but what if you could also just beat the living shit out of things, too? <laughs> and so that's a very Popeye gat. Well, not even Popeye would punch, because he punches through the wolf's mouth and out his butthole. There's at least yeah. three frames where you see the Baron's hand sticking out of a wolf's asshole. And then rings him inside out, and then just, like, that alone is actually probably more weird or more fucked up than anything in this, like, $45 million pro live action uh, Terry Gilliam movie, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Jesus Christ. Uh, he learns that there's a, a modicum of snuff can be most efficacious. I love that. Oh. Sneezed out on the fish on a hook on a rope. Yeah. And the curtain comes down and he starts screaming at everybody because the where were the waves? But the waves look the waves so cool. Coming soon enough. You see how they're like big twisty like bits of like logs that have been painted. I just love that. Oh my! I just I would I would pay good money to see a two hour version of Mon uh, of, of Baron Munchausen that is just the stage play. Like, it mm -hmm. could be entirely a different bunch of stories and stuff like that. You could do a sequel, but just, like, rebuild the stage and... Oh, my God. Anyway, but yeah. Yeah. So, everybody else, uh, he's an asshole. The girl asks where her brother is. He's like, you haven't got one. Well, it turns out the guy Shit. playing the Baron is the, the head leader of this acting troupe, and she's, he's also Sally's dad. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she's like, and why does it say brother? And he's like, Psh, or and son. And he says it's traditional, and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And outside, an old man with a huge nose sees an ad for the show. But a very and real mumbles. big nose, yeah. Yeah, rips it off, balls Aww. it up, and throws it on the ground. <laughs> it's very old man acting. I need to look yeah. up and see. I think John Neville was only like in his 60s when he mm. shot this, which is still, you know, that's old. It's 60s. You know, you're collecting. Yeah. You should be retired by then, but. um. It's weird to see that he's, like, trying to play a 30-year-old in some parts of this movie, too, which I don't think he quite looks 30, but, like, according to the Making of documentary and stuff, he's supposed to be in his 30s, but... Mm. Fucking love John Neville his big hat, and he's all dressed in black, and... Oh, my God. Yeah, he shows up, and he's not very happy with what he's seeing on stage at all. Well, before that happens, the lead actor of the troupe goes into the box seats to tell Brazil that he's sorry <laughs> that that first act went so shit. Oh, he's like... But Brazil... Tells him not to worry oh. about it, cause he's y'all. He's doing his best, and there's trying times. And then they they bring Sting in, looking all beat up. 
for, I guess it just turned out that Sting was like neighbors with Terry Gilliam and Terry Gilliam was hey, we want to be in a movie for two seconds. Sting is like, I got nothing better to do that that weekend, I guess. Sure, I will fly to Rome and be part of your <laughs> fucking whatever the fuck movie you're making. Mm -hmm. yeah. The officer who risked his life <laughs> by single-handedly destroying a six enemy cannon yeah. and rescuing ten of our men held captive by the Turk. I love what a pedantic jagoff Jonathan Price is in this movie, which is great because, you know, he was the star of Brazil, which was Terry Gilliam's movie right before this. I need to watch that again. I watched that it's... when I was too young to get it. It's good. It's also a secret Christmas movie because it takes place at Christmas. But it's not that entertaining. It's really, especially man, especially now in the fucking Trump administration and shit like that. It's like extra, like, ugh. But it's mm. it's good, but it's not quite the. It's not even quite the crowd pleaser. I was gonna say as Time Bandits was as much as of a not crowd pleaser that movie is too. But, um, well, have you ever heard the thing about how, uh, Time Bandits Brazil in this form of the the Dreamer trilogy, quote unquote, for Terry Gilliam. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, about how, like, you know, the um, Time Bandits is about a dreamer as a child, and Brazil's about uh, the dreamer as an adult, and Baron Munchausen's about the dreamer at the end of his life, and how he, you know, interacts with yeah. uh, reality and stuff like that. And... Mm. But that is one of the things, like, even that aside, that's one of the things I do appreciate, the, appreciate about this movie, and this kind of goes back. I'm going to stop being all uh, waxing philosophical about stuff in a second, though, but... Um, that is one of the things I do like about this movie, um, is that, uh, and actually the one thing that really sets this apart from uh, the other Baron Munchausen adaptations I've, I've caught glimpses of, is how much this movie is about the arts and the role in life of lying and storytelling, as much as it, as it is actually about the stories that the Baron is doing themselves. It's, it's got, it's got a little bit more to say than, than Time Bandits. Maybe not so much as Brazil, but, I don't know, then again, Brazil's just kind of nihilistic, but I do like... And even the last shot of this movie where the Baron disappears, it's kind of being like, well, did this happen? Did this not? Bro, bro, bro. Does it really matter? As long as you've heard the story, that's the only thing that really matters. And like, I kind of appreciate that. That's kind of cool. There's a little bit of that extra meta element to this uh, version of Baron Munchausen where uh, every other version I've seen has just played it straight where it's like, old man on a block of cheese riding a donkey. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> it's just like, okay, whatever. It's not really, it's not trying to say anything. It's just kind of goofy imagery, but. Anyway, but yeah, go ahead. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Oh. They, he says to execute Sting because uh, that's sort <laughs> he of He actually said behaviors. that too, which is the weirdest part of the movie. Execute Sting. <laughs> execute. No, I can't do Jonathan Price accent like you can. Execute Sting. Sting. <laughs> so he says <laughs> that, Wow, that's there's sort of... a repaired much as a cartoon. You gotta play Jonathan Pri You gotta play Brazil. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh, anyway. So he says that uh, that sort of behavior is demoralizing for ordinary soldiers and citizens. Yeah. Who are trying to lead normal, simple, and exceptional lives. This mo this is the movie establishing how ridiculous uh, the pedantry, ped pedantry of war can be, how pedantic and weird and just kind of like arbitrary the rules of war can be, which is kind of funny because the whole movie is celebrating, oh, isn't it crazy? Well, if you don't have to follow the rules, you can make up your own rules. And then the movie's also like, ooh, the rules of warfare are really stupid. Like, why don't you use common sense more often? And it's a little bit, I don't know, the movie's trying to have it, have it both ways. Enough, but I guess yeah. having so kind of batshit logic about imagination isn't gonna get people killed like having batshit logic about war yeah. anyway that's lead, right here there the lead act the lead actor sinks uh, slinks off and then it's time for the next act three ladies dance on stage and and the lead actor comes blowing in on a cloud is, is this the sultan stuff? 
in Constantinople. Yeah, okay, yes. yeah. Perhaps fate would have him teach the Sultan a lesson or two. Of course, the crowd's eating it up because they're being attacked by the Sultan and his Turks out in yeah. real life as this is happening. So this is essentially just like propaganda talking about, <laughs> we're going to flash our asses at the Sultan. And yeah, they're in this fake backdrop of the Sultan Palace and stuff like that. And yeah, he says that yeah. the Sultan loved a good wine and could never resist a good wager. Those characteristics would cost him dearly, and from the back of the theater, Lies! Lies! Those scoundrels! How dare they! Oh, man. Love Baron. And the, the man's so nice. <laughs> and an old man makes his way from the back of the theater to the front. He's got a big feathered and, hat and everything like that, man. It's great. Mm -hmm. Big old cape or jacket, and he yells that uh, he is a real baron and he won't be made a fool of and he pulls out a sword and chops the actor's fake nose off that as, for a moment when i was a kid that freaked me out because that like man I was mad, like he actually chops the fake nose off but he's so close to actually cutting the dude's real nose i was like oh maybe the baron mm. may, uh, you already get the idea okay this is obviously the real baron showing up but even then I was like yeah. maybe this guy should be put in a home this is not good and it's great because you've got the the actors pretending to be the rest of the Baron's gang, they're all, like, hiding in the rafters and shit, and they're all just, like, like, <laughs> I love, was it Adolphus, the guy, the sharpshooter? He's got, like, this big, big, like, you know, like, uh, uh tempera-painted eyeballs, and, mm -hmm. you know, because he's supposed to be able to see so good, and, you know, they've got yeah. Jack Purvis, the, the dwarf, with the big fake rubber ears, and you've got, uh... Eric Idle with, like, uh, pillows gem jammed down his pants to look like he's got muscular legs and stuff like that, but, like, I love... Like, they are f a costume almost exactly like their actual versions of the real characters we see later, but still just... Gr they're the bad cosplay versions. And I yeah. fucking love that. That's just... Again, the costuming in this movie is so great, but also just the s subtle distinctions about how just a little bit more shabby and more worn their costumes are. They've obviously been, like, a theatrical troops costumes that have been traveled and more threadbare and stuff like that. Anyway, I'm gonna shut up. Okay, go ahead. Uh... Chaos ensues, the curtain comes down, and the main actor goes out to address the crowd. Uh, behind the curtain, the real Baron notices the women, or shall we say, <laughs> what beautiful, ladies. beautiful ladies. Beautiful ladies. I think this may have been the first, this is the first thing I remember you and I bonding over, was beautiful ladies. Mm. And I was like, whoa, wait, you beautiful ladies. Beautiful, beautiful. ladies. But yeah. But but other than that, it's all lies! Balderdash. Yeah, he's yelling, it but then he sees Eric Idle on stage as one of the actors. It's Bertolt! It's Bertolt! And he sees the other actors. Albrecht! Adolphus Gustav! Yeah. I'm Bill! Hey, Spill! Well, I do like Eric Idle's got like a Cockney accent, which kind of separates him. That that that's like the actors, like that's the super working class accent versus what Eric Idle's actual ac accent is. Which I don't know mm. what it is in England, but it's definitely not. But that's what is the, the actors' accent. I don't think it? anybody in England's got that accent. Hey, we're talking about Mayor Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I'm watching the movie now, just flashing on Jack Purvis the dwarf, his, like, fake papier-mâché ears, and just, oh my god, I just love that yeah. shit. Oh. So, uh, Brazil comes backstage and asks who the old man is, and little girl Sally says that he's Baron Munchausen. He's like, oh, I see the real Baron Munchausen, and he snickers, and... <laughs> I can't tell if that's good acting or bad acting, because he's so like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
the Baron asks who he is, and he tells him he's in charge of the shit and the theater and all that garbage. And the Baron says, he's an ass! And says that that guy can't end the war. Only the Baron can, because he's the one that began it. So then uh, the Baron knocks papers everywhere that Brazil is holding, but... Uh, his Brazil does. He holds him, his men back, and it's like he obviously needs a doctor. And then that makes Baron be like, doctors, no doctors, which establishes that he does not like doctors. I hate doctors too, so I could totally like I'm totally projecting myself onto the Baron there. Where I'm like, yeah, fuck doctors, <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Even though you know, just, just, that is a very old man take on doctors, where the, you're just gonna get killed by the more likely than actually being helped, which is a very stupid uh, way to look at things. But I appreciate that. <laughs> Well, if I don't find out that I have two weeks to live, I'll live well, forever. Well, that's the stupid logic, exactly. <laughs> it's not that the doctors are going to do anything to you. They're just going to discover everything that's wrong with you, and then what's the point of living at that point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> My, it's it's better to die uh, blissfully unaware of how rotten your body is <laughs> rather than have then, a doctor actually try to help. Yeah. Then try to fix it. Yep. I am one of don't those put, people that doctors just, hate don't put, because... Don't change the oil in your car. Just drive it till it breaks. Yeah, and buy a new one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, that's how also the human body also works. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then, yeah, the Baron and, gets upset. He throws off his black cloak, and you see, like, his real-world version of his costume that he wears throughout the rest of the film, and just watching it now again in HD, just to see how dusty and fucked up it is and threadbare. Yeah. Fucking and Brazil... It. Brazil goes to watch the rest of the show, I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's that, the one. That, in terms of, like, why characters do the things they do in this movie, they just do it because the plot dictates. So don't try to, like, follow it. Like, there's no m emotional thoroughfare through this movie, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Sally's at, dad asks the Baron to be reasonable, and uh, if they don't perform the rest of the show, he'll throw that guy will throw him to the Turks, and the Baron's like, Oh, I'll get on with the show, you bet your sweet ass. <laughs> and then he goes in front of the curtain. I was gonna joke because I was watching behind the scenes features on the on the Blu-ray. I was gonna joke about how mm -hmm. uh, in all the archival footage uh, while they're filming the movie, like John Neville's constantly trying to rap and he's wearing like fucking what are the t-shirts from back in the eighties that like if you touched them they would turn colors and stuff like that. Like he's the uh, worst version of anyone living in nineteen eighty eight. Like listening to yeah. Vanilla Ice and shit like that. But anyway, that's a joke. I'm, that, I knew that was gonna be a bad joke, so I didn't bring it up. So but now I'm talking about how I didn't want to bring the dumb joke because I thought it was funny to me. No, but, you but like. You describing a joke. I'm belatedly really explaining a joke. Really I knew it wasn't funny to anyone else outside of my own brain. But <laughs> anyway. So he goes in front of the curtains and says he's the cause of the siege. People yell at him and he says he'll reveal the cause of the war. The curtain lifts and now he's going to tell the story of how it happened. This may be the coolest mo mo moment in the whole movie for me. Is um, So you got the yeah. guy playing the Sultan comes out. Sally's kind of like his little uh, retainer, which is funny because she actually does look like Toad from the Mario games. But... Mm. Um, yeah, so the Baron starts saying, hey, I was, uh, you know... I was ha I was hanging out with the Sultan, and we were chilling with his favorite drinks in his harem. And, I love and, how he pronounces uh, harem. Yeah, it's a, it's a fucking fantastic transition from looking into the wings, yeah. the, like, the side profile, and the camera pans around into the Sultan's home all them years ago. This is one of the first shots I ever saw as a kid where I was like, wait, I had to rewind it just to see how the fuck they did it, because, you know, you're locked into this reality of being on the stage, but suddenly the camera just simply pans over, and now you're suddenly in this entirely different naturalized location with natural light and stuff like that. And I just love, all they did was just take the Sultan set and they just built off of this one little, uh, rebuilt a little, yeah, part of the stage wing. And so when the camera, I just, mm, and the camera plus you pans had to so rewind good. it. 
You had to rewind it constantly for that fat naked lady. Ass I love that all the fat naked fat ladies. It's so great. It's like <laughs> I feel bad for these extras because these are obviously they're not like circus performers. You've got like these like two hundred pound fat ladies like wearing these giant like wooden block shoes that they could easily break their ankle if they take the wrong step because they're just like on these like fake marbled floors and you've got like these naked little like, eunuch boys running around it. It's just like the so, so much the cartooniest version possible of like. I guess technically it's the Orient. It's not the Asian Orient that we're used to, but it is Orientalism in its most ridiculous kind of way. And yeah, fat ladies bathing in a pool, and oh mm -hmm. my god, it's so goofy. I love it. Yeah, and uh, the Baron tries some booze and says, "Not bad." And the Sultan says, "It's possible, impossible to find better." Hogwash! You want bet? I get you some dank ass shit from a thousand <laughs> That's miles kind of away. That's the conversation. Is, yeah, we we ain't <laughs> fucked up enough. Yeah, I can get the most fucked up shit imaginable. I, if I don't do that in an hour, you can cut off my head. And I love how he Ooh, smiles those... when he does it. It's so fucking... It's, man, yeah. I can't imagine ever doing another Baron Munchausen anything and being as good as John Neville in this movie. Because you yeah. totally believe him being that fucking character. He's yeah. so full and of it, his own shit, it's great. Yep. Yeah. And those are my stakes, what are yours? And the bar the Sultan says that if uh, the Baron wins. He can take from the Sultan's treasury as much treasure as the strongest man can carry. Well, what so, happened? Uh, Baron writes a letter to the Empress. Yeah, fetch me some pen and ink. Yeah, Berthold, who's wearing ankle uh, chains with big old old timey iron balls well, attached to. Him. And I love this thing when he calls down to Berthold. All of his gang are they're just playing cards because they obviously they're not part of the fun part of the the Baron's adventure, which is hanging out with the Sultan. They're just uh, sitting on a bunch of chicken crates. Just playing yeah. cards. Like, I love the, like, the downtime between the adventures. Kind of like, like, the, the Baron may be having the time of his life, but they're, it's not like they're having a terrible time, but they are just, like, like it's almost like being on a film set where, like, the director gets all the, the credit and stuff, and these are guys are just, like, the union uh, fucking guys, like, uh, it's just, yeah, anyway. But, yeah, Bertolt comes comes up with his, uh, his chains and shit on his ankles, and mm -hmm. Baron wraps and, up his orders and uh, gives them to him, yeah. The Baron gives him the letter and tells him to take it straight to the Empress and bring the bottle right back to him. So Burhold takes off his chains, uh, Scooby-Doo's for a bit, and then takes off running. <laughs> I love it! Obviously his legs are just like a wheel that, mm -hmm. that are kind of just digging into the ground. A wheel with shoes, essentially. But again, that's part of the charm of the movie. You're not supposed to be tricked into thinking this is a documentary. It's ridiculous. What? Whole, yeah, I just... Mm, so good. So, uh... The Sultan asks the Baron if he wants some entertainment while they wait. So they push in a big cage with spikes and prisoners inside what on one I, side of it and an organ on the other. One of my secret favorite little bits is when he says, like, would you like to hear some music? And then, then the, I've been the, composing an opera. Yeah. Do you, would you like to hear it? Says, no, thank, no you. thank you. Oh, you'll love it. <laughs> and I just love that because he's obviously like, the Baron's, yeah, this is obviously not an actual friend of the, uh, of, of the Sultan, but he's just there just yeah. to, almost, I don't know if he's just there to fuck with him. I don't know what, what brought the Baron here, but also again, a little costume, mm. you know, I love that the Baron's wearing kind of like a weird Sultan Middle Eastern version of his outfit, it's not the it's not the European commander's outfit, it's the same color and it's got brooches and stuff, but it's more of a long coat it's actually kind of dressed like Bram Stoker's Dracula a little bit, but mm. he's still got the same hair and everything like that, but you can, uh, again, you can totally see where they spent the fucking 43 million dollars on this movie while the fucking Sultan's, like, playing his, what, the Torturer's Apprentice music? It's a comedy. It's, it's a, a Torturer's Apprentice, It's one of those yeah. Terry Gilliam things in the whole movie. Yeah, he starts playing the organ, and the people inside cry in pain as they're stabbed and bonked. <laughs> it's and... great. 
time ticks by and and uh in the uh hourglasses and a giant eyeless executioner's let in oh yeah i forgot he's got like the stitches over his eyes mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of gruesome yeah and uh uh time passes enough that we get to act four a eunuch enters Caught off in my prime, <laughs> surrounded by beautiful women. I never a got that joke as a kid, obviously. Yeah, was... A eunuch's life is hard. Yeah. A eunuch's life is hard, and nothing else. I do like the Baron's having to endure his own little bit of a torture uh, while waiting for uh, uh, Berthold to get back with the wine, too. And also, there's a little uh, a dwarf painting a dotted line on the Baron's neck <laughs> as a yeah. guideline for the executioner to cut his head off, too, while they're waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which he he keeps I I it always ooged me out that he keeps the quill in like this little skin flap on his forehead. Does he? Yeah. Oh, I've never noticed that before. Yeah, this movie's I don't gross. remember if it's noticeable if it's in the first part, but it's definitely the it's not that he has something you up. noticed. Yeah, it's funny how movies like that, like everyone picks up, especially if it's a movie you've watched a whole bunch, like the different things different people will pick up just because their eyes happen to catch something and they can never unsee it again. And it'll be something that almost no and almost no one else has ever noticed before. But yeah, I I also like that uh, by this stage when he's playing the organ, all the people that had been screaming earlier have stopped because they're presumably dead. Oh, at this I didn't point. think about that. <laughs> Touche, yeah. yeah. So the Baron's getting a little uh, impatient, looks at the time, whistles for his horse, and when it came near, it delights his place at fresh, and there were dice in the mirror. What? He rides out the way. <laughs> Wait, did I just have a stroke, or is that a sense you just said? <laughs> what? What? I don't know why, I just. He whistled for his horse, and when it came near, I just started doing the Fresh Prince of Bel Air song. <laughs> I lost my. I was like, "Oh my god, am I having my first actual stroke?" Like speaking of getting old, yeah, Christ. Okay. Well, he, he oh rides his my horse god. Out the window, it falls like stories, twenty stories, and they're yeah. fine. Where the hell is Berthold? And they're like, "I don't know." Turns out, like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> so that he's like, "Berthold's not back in five minutes. The soul's gonna chop off my head." And. <clears throat> And? Oh, I forget, that's the oh, joke, yeah. I'm sorry, I don't find it funny. <laughs> this isn't a joke, it's a wager. And they all jump to their feet. A wager? Yeah. I, you know, uh, that's a funny little thing, that of course the wager is more important than life and death. And... Yeah. Yeah, this is, you get, so, get to see a little bit of everyone gets to contribute to this adventure a little bit. Um, yeah, like, Gustav jumps down to the ground and puts his ear, giant ears to it and hears, he's, I can hear him, he's asleep, he's snoring. Yeah, like 900, 900 miles away. 900 miles away, yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, the strong man throws the sniper right way up high, and he uses his gun to shoot an apple off the tree. And well, it turns knocks. out that Eric Idle's sleeping on a, a blue stage, a blue, blue screen stage, two, two sound stages over. And so yeah. he has to snipe an apple out. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And knock him, uh, knock it on his head and wake him up, yeah. and... It's weird. He wakes up and... I always thought it was weird how good, like, the little model effects, like, especially when Eric Idle first runs off into the sunset when he's running away from the palace, it looks so good. Uh, it's yeah. obviously just him. He's just, like, almost like a little thimble-sized, like, little statue, like, on a track running off in the distance with, like, real smoke coming off his legs. But then for some reason, the, like, they just do this terrible blue screen job of him sitting under the tree, which is not the end of the world, but it, th- th- this is one of the shots in the movie that really dates it, where it feels like feels like really grimily 80s. But anyway, but that's yeah. neither here nor there. He wakes up. He's got the wine sitting next to him. 
Mm-hmm. Grabs he, it. He starts to run off, yeah. and but then he realizes he didn't grab it, and then he grabs it and runs off. Oh, that's right. I think this 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 moment was in the trailers too. I remember this being a big thing. I can't really. Mm. I anticipated this movie. I was like looking for this movie in the trailers and shit when before it came out, and I was like maybe only one of three people in the whole world who was like, oh my god, can't wait for that. See that Baron Munchausen trailer. Yeah. So uh, inside, uh, Baron gets led to a chopping block that's got a giant hand to catch his head. I uh, that's great al- design, yeah. Yeah, he almost gets his head chopped off, but Bertolt comes creaning in just in time as the last bead in the hourglass falls. That's great. I love the slow motion thing of the last bead circling the glass drain and plopping down. It goes like ting and just like Mwah. good. Yeah, it's good directing, Terry Gilliam. You just made this shit look. It's simultaneously very cool and very funny at the same time. And then the the Sultan takes a drink and is like, "Fuck yeah, you win. This sh- this shit is delicious." I won- because like the I um, I guess the 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 bet isn't whether or not the wine's gonna be better than the stuff that that, that the uh, Sultan already has. It's just whether or not Berthold can bring back the yeah, wine, right? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm gonna say cause yeah. the Sultan could have cheated here and said, "Oh, this tastes like bullshit," even though I was like, mm, "Yeah, I mean, give you a little bit more." And he also he doesn't yeah. he doesn't realize what's gonna happen next too. So I think, no. of course, if he had known what was gonna happen next, the show would have played out differently. But anyway, yeah. he, he calls for his treasure and tells him to allow the Baron to take as much treasure as the strongest man may carry, which the Baron's strongest man manages to do all but one coin. Oh which, yeah, which the sniper gives to the treasurer. And the treasurer goes inside and tells the sultan about what happened. Yeah, I do love Ooh. Adolphus just, like, flipping the coin and pocketing into the treasurer's uh, uh, little chest piece and just, like... Yeah, yeah and the baron's music smiling here and, everything and getting is great. a little pating on his teeth. Yeah, when the, the strongman's walking... I can't remember what the strongman's name is supposed to be, but the, when the strongman's walking out there with all the treasure and stuff, it's one of those it's moments... A, of wa- 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 starts with an A. Yeah. It's one of those yeah. moments where you really feel like you're watching, like, a, like a children's book come to life albrecht yeah, albrecht okay that's what it is yeah um uh, the the, yeah, the so... sultan doesn't doesn't take well to hearing about that the the the, the runoff with the entire contents of the treasury so he cuts off the treasure's head and lands in a well, lady's I never, lap i was never i was never clear if he was pulling his sword out and accidentally cuts her treasure's head off or if I he think intentionally he, did it yeah it seems pretty intentional but mm. But he cuts the head off and it flies into the air and lands in a fat lady's lap. With a little and ding. And actually, and, watching this, and, rewatching this in HD, and winks at her. Yeah, winks okay. at her. And which again, you know, the, the death is malleable thing in this universe. The ladies, is that a woman? Because I'm, I'm rewinding it now, and the arms, like when you cut, when it cuts to the close up of the guy's face winking, the arms mm-hmm. of the person he's landed in are like a teamster's arms. <laughs> Which, granted, they filmed I this in know. Italy, so maybe it's just a fat lady who, who had, like, arms like a wildebeest, but... Mm, wow, it's like fucking... Oh, Jesus, it's like the Super Mario Brothers Super Show here. Captain so, Lou uh... Albano is gonna get a blowjob <laughs> from this guy. Anyway, okay. So, the Sultan tries to stop them, but Gustav uses his mighty lungs to blow them all away with his breath. I do like Gustav's but... the only one with two powers. He can hear real good, and he can breathe real good. Yeah, I do like when he sucks in the air. He he puffs up like a little balloon, and then he goes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> he goes. <sighs> so, he turns into a breath so, mint commercial. Yeah. So then uh, Vicks vapor rub. Cannons get shot, and because the Sultan wants to blow up his own place, I guess. Yeah, it just <laughs> turned into random chaos. To... It's just yeah. yeah. And uh, the Baron and his man get separated, but we that explosions happen everywhere. We flash. 
to the theater, which is being bombarded. Yeah. And everybody's screaming and running out, and the bear <laughs> says, "Stop! Wait! Don't! Don't go! There's more! It there's is, more!" It is a good way to and bring always, it back to the theaters. That like. And I, I do like, like the, the idea of reality is making an impact on the on the Baron's story or vice versa. It's well, interesting. I, I also like that on rewatchings you can see that the audience stops there and looks back and starts to come back in. Oh, really? Okay. So you can te- yeah, you can tell that the story. This is when you know they do come turn around and come back, and this is when his story continues. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. On stage, I love how everyone yeah. in the audience is wearing Napoleon hats too. Even the ladies is great. Yeah. This movie, why wasn't there a Super Nintendo NES game about this shit? Oh, uh, my God. Because it would have been, been perfect, terrible. It would have been. I, wouldn't, I want my LJN Adventures of Baron Munchausen shitty platformer where, where you're being attacked by bees and you're throwing bowling mm. balls at people. But, yeah. Yep. So, uh, the, the Brazil says they shouldn't be bombarded right now. It's Wednesday. And and uh, he for some reason, he blames the theater company and wants them out. <laughs> this is where you just have to kind of take for granted, okay, I guess that's how things work in this universe, that it's only everything that's happening, not only is everything that's happening in the theater the most important thing happening to everyone's lives, but for some reason, yeah, it's the theaters, or it's the, uh, this, this production troupe, uh, theater troupe's fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Sally sees chaos, everybody runs off, and, uh, Sally sees the Baron's dog and follows it, and it leads her to, uh, death hanging out over the Baron, and it's his death is starting to take glowing orb out of the Baron's mouth. God damn, that is so fucking death, cool. Death notices Sally gets she gets spooked and screams and throws a candelabra at it, and it's like no Liberace and explodes and <laughs> burns into a burning backdrop. It does turn into just like special effects, like yeah. I mean, the puppet itself is also kind of ramshackle in terms of how it's it's obviously just like a like a puppet that's being controlled by like broomsticks or something like that. But like, oh, it is a piece of backdrop. It's that's yeah. a two D. I didn't realize that's a two D. Oh shit! So that even creates the the idea that like maybe even the Grim Reaper isn't real because maybe she just got spooked. By a painted backdrop of the Grim Reaper and destroyed. Oh, I yeah, never it's that hard before. to say. <laughs> but still, so, uh, this is the most fucking metal Castlevania ass fucking death. Like, I didn't realize you even had like a shock of red hair before it, and it's got like rotten lace gloves, which I've never noticed before. Which kind of insinuating that it's yeah. kind of the corpse of a woman, which is very specific, mm. and kind of interesting, and fuck, man. I it's uh, even the people who don't give a shit about Baron Munchausen usually, if they ever talk about this movie, it's usually about how fucking badass death in this movie was. And, you're absolutely correct. This is probably so, the best cinematic Grim Reaper in history. So she she goes to check on the Baron, and he asks if he's dead, and she says no. Blast! Leave me alone! I'm trying to die! That's one he's, thing he's, that I can imagine is very difficult for people to emotionally get invested in this film, because the Baron's relationship with death is oscillates so wildly throughout this film, it's hard to like get a beat on, like, when he's going to be like, oh, fuck death, I'm going to do this crazy thing to avoid death, and then suddenly be like, oh, why can't I just die? It's a little hard to get invested in a character who eh, acts so randomly good, like that. Nah, if he's having a good time eh. and having fun adventures, he doesn't want to die. I mean, it's I understand. It's not going his way. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but, like, if you're just watching this on first blush and you're not that invested in this world to begin with, like, I could see this being like... Then you're a monster. I'm just saying, but I do love now he's suddenly way older now. He's got, like, fucking old man... What are the, what are, like, the fucking warts and shit on the person's face? Warts? Yep, <laughs> that's what those old, warts are. I doesn't call them old what man What are those pimples? warts on your face called? Boils and shit like things. that, but, like, yeah, even... This makeup holds so well, even the super tight close-ups and shit like that looks so good. Yeah. We'll return after these messages. 
from the director of Time Bandits and Brazil, a new movie full of noise. Flying objects. Trust me, madam. Your underwear is in good hands. <laughs> Celebrities. I'm Baron Munchausen. Mm, that sounds nasty. Is it contagious? Compassion. The Sultan is going to cut off my head. And? And? Travel. Now you come back here and expect me to follow you to the ends of the earth. Yes. All right. last words not yet not yet is that famous gravity we've dropped through the center of the world to come out on the other side Bull. he was full of it the adventures of baron munchausen a true story we've got the film to prove it we now return to kissy for uh, he said he basically says the world's getting too sciencey. It's no place for fairy tales no more. Yeah. But she demands to know the rest of the story. Come on, please. Explosions happens. She yells at the, the Turk, "Stop it! Stop it! I'll never find out what's gonna happen." So she runs out, and he follows her. She stands up on the ramparts at the cannons, throwing rocks at the Turks, yelling at them to That'll stop it. it. And then the uh, Baron follows her up there and. Addresses some soldiers and says, Gentlemen, don't you think it'd be a good idea to silence those enemy cannons? No, sir. No? It's Wednesday. <laughs> so the Baron loads a cannonball up himself. Get ready for the poster, ladies and gentlemen. This is what got <laughs> happened. It gets shot across the battlefield, hanging on to it. And it, cr- and it goes cuts on between, for a little while. Yeah, it cuts between John Neville hanging on to a fake... Uh, cannonball on a soundstage with smoke being blown on his face and a tiny little puppet and also a blue screen mm-hmm. version of a tiny little puppet doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, when he reaches the Turk's side and they shoot a cannon and he grabs onto that one and fly and fly, rides it back. Technically, it's a mortar shell that he rides on the first way back then rides a cannonball on yes. the way back. That's a very... <laughs> yes, I, I would hate for you to call me a liar. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Oh my god. He, la- he lands back on the wall and tells the guards that the Turk are about to storm the... The, the gates, and, but those guys get blown up, and sh- Sally remarks that he really is the Baron. Oh, we missed uh, when he's flying back too. He has another quick run in with Death, where Death takes oh, yeah, a swing yeah. at him with the scythe. But and, and, but that's one of the things he's all like, "Ah ha ha, fuck you, Death!" Even he, though literally yeah, five minutes ago he was like, "Oh, Death, eat my literal, ass!" Please. Literally laughing in Death's face. Exactly. How symbolic. But yeah, anyway, but yeah, he lands. Adventures happen. Yeah. Wait, when he him, him and, jumps off that cannonball, looks super. <laughs> He's obviously just like on a string, very slowly flying down like Superman. It's very goofy, but anyway, yeah. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
Go ahead, go ahead. I'm just saying, we've we already recorded for the better part of an hour, and we're, like, in the first, like, 20 minutes of the movie still. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say, but I'm just, I just, okay, I got most of my shit out of this way, about gushing about this, okay, way. okay but yeah. Uh, Sally's dad sees her with the bear and grabs her, and I love his reading on calling him a cretinous senile little fried under the side. He still... puts so much emphasis on the word fart. He... <laughs> he's got, like, a red, it's... You might not even think it's Sally's dad because he's out of costume now, but he's got like this shock of red wig on at the same mm -hmm. time, which is just really weird. But he's, I mean, he's obviously like, oh, Sally, come here, my daughter, and stuff like that. But yeah, he's trying to get her out of the way of the bombardment and Baron Munchausen's and all away like, from Baron. Uh, Sally keeps proclaiming that he is the real Baron and that he wrote a cannon and her dad tells her to stop lying. And she's like, the soldier will tell us. Oh, wait, they dad. Well, the Baron would tell us, and he's like, ah, she's lying, and she hits him in the balls and runs off. And he says he didn't actually fly, he just rode a mortar, he just grabbed onto a cannonball, he's it's not He's really, all aw shucks about yeah. it, which is kind of cute, but like, everyone else is like, what yeah. the fuck are you talking about, old man? But then the ladies of the acting troupe are like, Baron, God help us, please, please. And he's like, fuck yeah, I totally will help you, ladies. I love this. Is get... The strongest instigator for the for the Baron to do anything in this movie is when the ladies get involved. It's like, this, this like fucking trio of ladies like, oh, oh, mm -hmm. yeah. He, he gives them each roses. Uh, the queen of the moon takes Uma Thurman's. Yeah. Oh, so, is that what? Okay, yeah. yeah um, he will help them. And ladies, would you kindly be so good as to remove your knickers? So he makes a hot air balloon out of the apparently thousands and thousands of pairs of underwear that the ladies of the this, town have. I around. mean, especially considering we've only seen like maybe a dozen women at the most in the city so far. But like, yeah, I guess they just happen to all collectively own a ton, literally half a ton of women's uh, uh, airproof bloomers and knickers and stuff like that. I do like Uma Thurman's reaction too. She's like looking down at her own bodice, like. Oh, okay, <laughs> but yeah, I just love the smash cut from him, his request too. You just get to see a pair of knickers getting inflated as part of the balloon in the next shot. It just... And Eric Idle's really into it. Yeah, Eric Idle. Like this is the first time as a kid I realized guys could just be really into women's underwear and like, and like not just like oh that's tangentially related to women, which is always going to be a hot thing, but like like specifically the women's underwear itself could be more of a turn on than the women themselves. And like, Ugh, Eric Idle's a perv. He's dirty, man. That's, that's actually Eric Idle's actual, like, that, that that's actual a candid shot from, that's not meant to be in the film. <laughs> that was actually, before he even realized the cameras were rolling, he was all like, oh, look at those ladies' knickers. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there, yeah, it's it's him and the guy playing uh, the strongman are both, like, using bellows to, and a fire to blow up uh, the balloon that they've made out of all the women's underwear and all the, I guess the citizens are on the Baron side, because now they're helping, like, puff up the balloon and everything, helping him get set up to, for his uh, uh, voyage to the moon that we'll find out about in just a second. Yeah, a couple soldiers run off to tell Brazil about yeah, it. Yeah, fuck these tells guys. Them to God damn. Arrest everyone, and but they're not able to arrest him because the dog jumps off of the the balloon onto because them. Because he's uh huh, and he sets sail, flying into the sky. He starts dumping off the sandbags, and oh no, that one wasn't full of sand; it was full of a Sally. <laughs> that scared she me almost... as a little bit as a kid because she goes, "You think she's dead?" Because it's not like yeah. she had an opportunity to grab onto anything like that. But, no, but she gets caught on the anchor, and Baron manages to pull her onto his flying boat. And yeah. I do love the design of the boat, and I can't freak out about the design of everything in this movie, but the design of the boat, and it's got, like, these two big feathered fans as, like, 
uh, paddles on the side is just fucking great. They obviously just just took it like a stage boat from the theater and just kind of turned it into a flying craft, which I always thought was kind of great. Yeah. But yeah, she now they're flying up going, in the sky. Yeah. She says she's going with them, and they can't land because if they do, they'll land on the Turks, who yeah. are just running around all willy nilly. Also, the Baron will have to extinguish the flame for them to land, and he'll never get it lit again, and that's going to be the end of yeah. the whole thing. So they've got to go. Yeah. Sally says they have to find his servants to get back quickly, and he's all Ladoy. Oh, no they, shit, they did you not see the trailer for this film? <laughs> they fly through the sky, and he says they're going to the moon, because that's where he last saw Borhold. It's an interesting place. The king and queen have detachable heads. Their heads are all smart and shit, while their bodies, uh, they do more bodily things. And I do love, oh yeah, and it's, I, someone pointed out IMDB that it looks like his, the bodily functions line is looped, and I kind of wonder what the original line was there. I would love to think that mm. the Baron just says, hard fucking. <laughs> uh, yep. And, but Sally is all like, what? What? It, like, you know, she's obviously, she's on this flying ship to the moon, so obviously the Baron's not full of shit, but like, even with this news, she's like, what the fuck are you talking about, yeah. old man? So they fly through a storm and shit. Yeah, Light suddenly it's lightning. randomly it's stormy, yeah. Lightning hits their ship, and and it cuts the balloon part away, and uh, they land in the ocean, and the ocean gets crazy, oh. and she screams, and then there's stars, and the water, I... and you see their boat going through it. That shot, it... the transition from the star field, the, the sea of stars, to the ocean of sand, I just mm -hmm. want it, mm, I just... I, it's so good. It's, it's so... Good. It's, well, it's so... It, I hate to be all like, it's poetic, but that is some poetic-ass shit. Trying to, in <laughs> one shot, seamlessly bridging how that boat could be on water and suddenly be on this dry-ass moon and just do it with, like, a dissolve phase between, like, this, like, shimmering star water to the the, the, the surface of the moon is just, like, it's just evocative. That's one of the best, like, mm, that that's 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 something that you wouldn't get in a book or even in a picture book. Uh, but in yeah. a movie, it's just so cinematic. That's that's the reason why something like this exists, where, you know, it, like, you, there's all different versions of this, this story, but, like, man, good luck beating that transition out in any other medium, but Anyway, but yeah, Baron wakes up. I guess they both got knocked out in the storm. But yeah, yeah his hand is dragging through the sand and she, Sally wakes him up and... Oh shit, and what the looks, fuck is this? He looks younger now. Oh he yeah, he does, I didn't a, realize he that. He always feels a bit younger after a good adventure. <sighs> I love... That's so, also just a great touch throughout this film too. Which is something I never really pay attention to, but yeah. He says that uh, she'll see that he's one of the king's special favorites. And they go through the Moon Cities, which is cardboard buildings with toy music, kazoos and shit playing as they go through. So, I guess originally this sequence was supposed to be the big budget breaker. This was going to be the centerpiece of the film, where they were going to have thousands of extras. They were going to have huge halls. They were going to film in crazy-ass places. They, they were going to, you know, do exactly what you think the king, the kingdom of the moon would be. And yeah. Sean Connery was going to play king of the moon and stuff, and... So I guess this was, this was one of the last things they shot, and by this time in the production, they had no money left. And so the, mm -hmm. it's like, we gotta do something, because like, this is like the big bridging point. And this is also the first thing you see that the Baron does outside of the theater, so it has to be, if not impressive, at least entertaining. And so that's when they came up, well, like, 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 what if the King of the Moon is just bullshit and lives by himself with his wife, and they have this whole fake town that with no one lives, it'll just make them seem crazier. And so that's what they did, they just had some people just paint up some fake city backdrops and move them against each other and they just dropped in the shitty tin music kind of just highlighting how stupid this place is <laughs> like instead of actual horns it's like do, 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 and it's mm -hmm. fucking it is great though like i it would have been interesting to see what they would have done with that other version of the 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 
the Moon Kingdom, but man, this this what they wound up with is also fucking entertaining as shit too. Yeah. Even it's very uh, Pee-wee's they, Playhouse, but I'm down with it. Yeah, they get boxed in and uh, in uh, four walls, and then uh, Robin Williams' floating head comes flying in. Randy Tooth, like Robin Williams, like Robin Williams do. Yeah. Oh man. And uh, again, the makeup on Robin Williams, where like the top of his head's like the top I of like an you. ionic column, and oh. you know, I I always growing up watching this, I always thought that like the makeup he has on was like moldy and gross and it is it wasn't until watching it this time i was like oh he's supposed to look like he's made of marble yeah because they've got like veins on his head and stuff well i think there is yeah. some there's actual like dirt on his face though because i think the part of the insinuation is like it's actually difficult to tell if that's supposed to be dirt or if that is supposed to be marble texturing i because even looking mm -hmm. at i'm watching it now as we're recording and the dirt on his face almost looks like maybe his face also just got dirty because because he doesn't have hands, he can't, mm. like, wash it off. But it is, like, at least at the top of his head is supposed to be looking like marble. But yeah, and they kind of desaturated both him and the queen's head, so they're also both very black and white stuff. But I love even his hair is kind of done up, so it's kind of look, looks like, you know, like, Grecian curly cues, like, like you would see on an ionic column. And it's just fucking great. It's just, mm. And he's also pretty funny. For someone who had to come in at the last moment, and I knew that he came in and did this role as a favor for, to Robin, or to, not to Robin Williams, uh, to Terry Gilliam, but it wasn't until reading about this movie for this podcast that I realized that he supposedly did this absolutely for free. Because, like, mm. again, they had so little money when they did the sequence, and he was friends with Terry Gilliam, and he really loved Terry Gilliam movies. He was like, well, I'm not filming anything right now. If you want me to just cut, if you got a spare week, I can come in and help you out, and that's exactly what he did, so... Yeah, I just did this pro bono, said, hey, I just like your movies, and I like the idea of this movie, so, yeah, let, let's go nuts, and, yeah, yeah this is, so, yeah. There, uh, there's obviously some time and money invested in this, well, maybe not so much the money, but, like, this isn't a thing, like, we came and just shot all this in one day, like, there's, like, elaborate makeup and costuming involved with this character, so it's not, like, yeah, something he just shot in an afternoon and just was one and done, like, he invested a lot of free time in this, like, relatively small role, but, yeah, Robin Williams, you good man. He good man. So he acts crazy, and Sally mentions that he's a he's a bit of a lunatic, and Baron's like, "Yeah, fuck it, it seems that way." So, uh, <laughs> oh, the, forgot, yeah, the, the body, oh, the, yeah. The king says that the Baron being on the loose is causing him issues, and the Baron says that without his adventures, the king wouldn't even exist. Which is interesting because so. I again, that's one of the reasons I went back to read the original book as a kid. To see like what exactly he's talking about, because I would love to see what the original adventures that brought the King of the Moon and the Baron together would be, but I never got that mm. far. If assuming that adventure is even in the book, but yeah. So uh, the King's like, oh yeah, and transfers him to a super high platform where they're itty bitty in the King's head, which you find out in this scene is super gigantic. Comes in and is like, yeah, take that, take that. Oh, look, there's my gross-ass body, thrusting and farting at the queen. It's all Great. pink and I hate, shit? Because well, I guess the I one... Hate, <laughs> I hate that fucking thing. It's gross. I do love this thing where, like, the bodies are horny, but the heads are, like, super, like, almost like Star Trek aliens when they're so, like, above it all and super cerebral and stuff, but the body's just... Yeah, oh, it's... Yeah. Mm -hmm. This duality so, shit. His... His body grabs his head and puts it on, back on. He's against the head's wishes. And the head becomes flesh colored. And he's all, I'm back! A dinosaur it story. It is one of the Who most Robin Williams readings of anything when he screams, well, I'm back! I mean, he. 
like, the people in the next soundstage over must have been like, what the fuck is going on there? And he starts eating this mango, where he's just, like, getting bits of mango all up his nose and shit. Yeah, that oh, that's grossed me out. He really buys into, the, like, the whole hot, yeah, I'm being corrupted by my body, so I'm just gonna be a fucking monster, but it's great, mm -hmm. yeah. The queen notices the baron and is super into it, yeah. but, uh... The king also notices her noticing and sends the Baron and Sally into a hanging jail cell. Hey, tough guy. <laughs> it's great. I love his all like, I don't know what accent he's trying. I would assume he's trying, tr probably trying to do an, uh, an Italian accent, but like, yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. I, I love uh, dipshit knucklehead uh, King of the Moon, too. Yeah, he taunts him for a bit, but then his head flies off his body. So his body throws through at his head until he gets some tomato in his eye this and is one of those things where you're watching a, this movie and you're, this might be one of the moments where you're like what the fuck am i watching because yeah uh, uses a, a bug neck to catch the head and the king and queen leave and then sally grumbles that they can't save the town from here and the baron says the town's perfectly safe and you flash the footage of the town not being perfectly safe at yeah all. this becomes a running gag throughout the film too for, yeah like yeah the, the, the yeah. baron just kind of like not paying attention to the town stuff and like no nope, but it's getting jacked up Sally explores the cage a little bit and steps on someone's hand at the bottom of the cage. And they ask who he is, but he don't remember who he is. But he must be very wicked and he must be very bad because he's locked up in here. And he's got these leg shackles <gasps> in here. <gasps> oh, no! Hold. It's oh. Yeah, he, But he don't remember. He old, he bald, he, is or he sad. Mm -hmm. And then the queen's head shows up and unlocks the cage. She's acting like she's having a jolly good time. Oh, yeah. This goes on for Sally a little asks, while too. It's a little uncomfortable yeah. if you're like if you're watching this well, with your parents or something like that. It's a little like. <laughs> well, no, that's got you. It's clear because Sally asks why is she making those funny noises, and Baron says because her body is with the king. He's uh. Which turns into one of the best feet. jokes in the movie is that that is actually what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> Which the dump it up a. Uh, so they climb on her head and go sailing into the darkness through town, and you see the king's and queen's room where he really is tickling her feet, while a bust of Caesar takes photos? I, I can't, you know what? I've I never like, got that. It wasn't until watching, again, watching this in HD, because, like, the, yeah, the, it's, it's making robot sounds, and it's, like, eyes are flashing, so I don't know if there was some kind of plot thread there they dropped? Or, I mean, I guess the idea that the, the kingdom is supposed to be all mechanical, hence, like, you know, the town... Uh, you know, the fake town's all kind of mechanical. We find out that, like, the big, weird, triple-headed, uh, ostrich vulture thing that the king rides later is mechanical and stuff. So, I don't know if they're insinuating that, like, that's part of a security mm. system, or if maybe he's just a perv and he likes to take, uh, photos of himself and the queen fucking or something like that. I don't know what's don't going know. on, up, but the movie takes time, like, out of its way to show you that's happening, and there's never a follow-up to that. It's one of the weirdest things in this movie. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, the queen drops them off, and uh, she wants to go with them, but she can't. So, they settle on taking a lock of her hair. And as she flies away, she's... I didn't get it as a kid, because I thought she was just saying she was coming back to Robert, but she said, I'm, I'm coming, Roger! I didn't get coming. that too, yeah. Get, and I was like, oh. Yeah, flying crap I under the radar. It. Yeah, congratulations, Ooh. yeah. Oh, wow, <laughs> I was so, man. What this must have been a PG PG movie, right? It wasn't PG thirteen. Let me see. Eighty eight, probably PG. I don't know. Yeah, that that would probably be the most PG thirteen joke in the whole movie, and that's pretty. Oh man, this movie made eight million dollars. 
off of a $46 million budget. Jesus Christ. That's upsetting. I've made more money than that just (laughs) selling plasma. Anyway, maybe not $8 million worth, but like, Jesus. uh, uh, King notices that the queen's head is missing and realizes that her head is with the I love how he yells down her neck hole. (laughs) <laughs> like, of course it's Robin Williams, so he's got to turn into a whole routine of him slowly discovering what's up, but, like, yeah. Try, he tries to slap her in the face, but he, that's he got no actually, hit to hit. In this most post-MeToo age, it's like, oh, that's a little grim, but yeah. I mean, granted, this is not the first uh, wife, wife-threatening wife dude we're going to find uh, uh, discover in this, this, this story, but yeah. So the, the king summons for his nightmare three-headed vulture thing. And the heroes are running along the surface of the moon, but Burholt can't run very fast. You know he what? Old. You can't just say hijinks. That's kind of what the hijinks ensue. The, 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 no, no, but anyway, go ahead. The, the king starts assaulting them, flying at them by throwing giant asparagus stuff at them. That is so random. I'm assuming that had to have been in the work. I can already imagine the Gustav Dory engraving illustration of something that completely random because you know, if you think about it that would actually if you did had a giant asparagus stalk that would actually make a pretty good uh, stabbing weapon yeah yeah uh so uh Berthold runs into it it falls over knocked out and uh sally and the baron run off in two other directions which makes each of the heads follow them and oh yeah the baron's got the his... idea that they should all split up because he he realizes they tear the vulture apart because the heads are gonna yeah and it, it rips victim. itself apart and it's a bunch of gears inside yeah and the, the... the king crashes and the head gets launched up in the air and it's free the body is dead hurrah hooray oh, so, so more then... questionable blue screen with the uh, different parts of the vulture flying off in different directions but yeah yeah and then the, the king sneezes himself into space which i thought that was a good denouement for the king that like he finally yeah. got what he wanted he's he's the body's dead he gets to be you know the king and commander of the universe and then he just shoots himself off into the sun and that's it yeah mm-hmm. love Bird you robin williams Berthold wakes up and he remembers stuff now he remembers that the baron left him on the moon amended him on the moon for over 20 years and now he just waltzes back in and expects him to follow him on some crazy adventure yes <laughs> all right Joke. I do love the giant yeah. feather uh, that they have on the set that's fall- falling down a- after the, uh, the, the the king crashes too. I just wanted to know because someone actually yeah. had to make a giant like truck sized feather and throw it onto yeah. a set anyway. Yeah. So they climb to the tip of the crescent moon. Oh it's, god, yeah, this is yeah, this shit. It's good looking. Man, yeah. again, when I think about this movie, this is one of the things I think about is them. Yeah, on the cre- tip of the crescent moon with the big. Uh, glowing animated star map behind them. That this mm-hmm. is totally time bandits with the animated uh, celestial. The 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 what do they call it? With the the stars are in different shapes. The constellations. Yeah. That's just fucking. Mm, oh god, I want to be in this movie right now. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the Baron's the... Uh, taken the 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 hair that he cut off the the queen's head and has uh, woven it into a rope that they can use to descend down back to Earth. Mm-hmm, but they run out of rope, so not to worry, because the Baron gets more by cutting some off of the top. I remember laughing way harder than I should have at that joke as a kid, because I thought it was so inventive. Like, I see the logic in that. That totally makes sense in, in, you know, in, in, in that kind of logical universe, yeah. Yeah, so they all fall. Well, they yeah, fall, fall, well, it's fall. funny because it takes them a moment to fall, too, because you think it's going to work, but then suddenly, like, it, there's a couple moments, and then they fall. It's not, like, automatic, yeah. like, because Barthold's in the middle of tying that rope to the bottom when... After a couple minutes, they finally fall, but yeah, but they start falling. They fall to, very specifically, it's a couple tiny puppet characters falling to a globe 
It's, it's all practical effects falling to a globe and there's like smog mm-hmm. effects and stuff like that. Look, it, it looks like what the Earth would look like to someone living in like this, the 18th century. It's so... Mm, anyway, but yeah, they fall. They yeah. land in the ocean. They fall into a volcano. Oh, is that place. what it is? Yeah. Where what? Silly. Giant, what could, what could they have in a volcano? I don't know. They're yelling about wages and raises and 2% <laughs> and 3%. I never occurred to me until watching it this time that I realized that they fell into the middle of a labor dispute, a union dispute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when uh, the Baron, Sally, and Burhold land in the volcano of Mount Edna, hot air cushion their fall or some shit. Something, yeah. Very hand wavy, yeah. I mean, it's very so much housing. It's not, a, yeah, it's not a science documentary. Yep, so the the god Vulcan asks if he can help them, and the Baron says they're looking for three dudes, one with great eyes, one with great hair, and, and one that's extremely large and extremely starched. <laughs> I oh, didn't get this joke for the longest oh, time. Yeah. Extremely large and strong here, and he reaches his giant hand in and grabs Baron and pulls him up, and seems kind of confused when he realizes the Baron is slightly taller than him. Good, like, good head taller, like, Oliver Reed's <laughs> also kind of standing like a monkey, he's kind of like walking and standing like Donkey Kong, so he's kind of like accentuating yeah. the fact that he's naturally a little bit shorter than John Neville, but, yeah, it's great that he's actually kind of small. <laughs> yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, the Vulcan's not the kind of guy who deals well with that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. He says yeah, he's Vulcan, the god, and these are his giant employees. <laughs> what, now <laughs> going back to work? It never occurred to me until watching it this time that all of his employees are uh, Cyclopses. Yeah. I, I knew the one, like, one of his assistants was a Cyclops. I didn't realize they were all Cyclopses. Yep, he mentions Those that. poor extras. So he sells weapons to everybody, and it's not his fault. Everybody wants to kill everyone else. Yeah. So he shows them their prototype, the nuclear missile. Intercontinental blah, blah, blah with radar scope technology. Oh, my. It kills the enemy. Old wives, children, dog, sheep, cat, old, old, golden. Sally says that's horrible, and he says, yeah, but the nice thing is you don't have to see him die. You can just push a button from thousands of miles away. Eric Idle's like, where's the fun in that? Yeah, I do. That is probably the one most quote-unquote real moment in the whole movie of kind of sadness and... Not sadness, but kind of melancholy, fucked-up weirdness. And kind of just showing that, like, yeah, war is eternal, like, nothing ever really changes in humanity. And, and of course, Oliver Reed, the way he just sells that whole line is just fucking great. Like, the description, like, yeah, blows them all up, their pets, their wives, the children, all gone. And it just, yeah, fucking Oliver Reed, man. I need to see more Oliver Reed movies, because he's so fucking good in this. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, he, uh, follows that up by, Would you care for a little devil of tea? Or whatever he says, but they have some tea. It's fucking awesome. Not bad for Nectar of the Gods, as far as Nectar of the Gods goes. Oh, is that what they're drinking? Yeah. Ugh. And he said, ah, here comes my midget mad servant. I get it with the idea with the Vulcan having issues about size. Yeah, even though Albrecht is definitely bigger than Vulcan. The biggest living creature in this entire, like, realm, but, like, yeah, my midget manservant. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And they're like, oh, Albrecht. And he's like, oh, fuck, it's Baron. Boy, I haven't got the treasure anymore. I spent it. I mean, I give it all to charity. And the Baron said he don't care about the treasure. He just wants them to come help him fight the Turks. But he couldn't do that, not since he found himself. He never wanted to be big and strong. They call me a midget down here. I love it. It's bliss. He I... like frilly thing. 
kind of feel bad that he gets yanked out of this environment because he does seem to be. It's a. I guess you could maybe think that maybe he got browbeaten into this by the by Vulcan, but he does seem to be pretty legitimately happy. Yeah. Yeah. And he gets sucked out of this, and by the end of this movie, he's just back to beating people up again. Mm-hmm, but yeah. then everything gets sparkle, sparkle, and a giant <laughs> clam comes out of some water, and Uma Thurman is there, doing the Venus pose, all nude and stuff. They, and... again, with them spending... You know what, I was watching this scene, too, I was like, who the fuck did they get to paint all these fucking murals throughout this whole movie? It's nothing but yeah. these beautiful, handcrafted, like, fucking medieval fucking murals, and, like, especially in this scene where they're having to replicate the... Oh, is it? Who's the? It's it's the classic the the birth of Venus uh, painting yeah. that they're replicating with a fucking naked sixteen year old Uma Thurman's titty hanging out. But yeah, I don't. I made, wrote the note down that thirteen year old Daniel would like you to know. Yes, you can see her nipple. But when you told me she was sixteen, I was like, well, oh no, thirteen year old boner. <laughs> she was she. If if, if this would if this went down back in the day, this would have been her rod uh, uh, ro uh, robbing the cradle. Mm. I mean, of course, now if you need to get a boner, that's a little bit different, but, like, mm, how you doing? This is, yeah. yeah no, Especially knowing Oliver Reed tried to get on that shit. It's like, oh, goddamn, <laughs> man. So, uh, Vulcan comes over and gives her air kisses all over, and he lets her know that she's Venus, the goddess, his wife. Baron is all about it. Have they? Vulcan. They're not insinuating that they've met before, right? No, they have not. Okay, so it's not like the Queen situation, so, but yeah, the automatic no. uh, at attraction between the two of them. Yeah, Vulcan pulls out a piece of coal and crushes it in his bare hands, making a diamond. <laughs> this is one of the saddest jokes of the whole movie. <laughs> he gives to her, and she's like, another diamond, and gives it to one of her servants, and they throw it in the pile of diamonds. Yeah, literally a whole like little like yeah, like a little mini mountain of, of diamonds that I guess he just does this every fucking day to impress her. And it's yeah. obviously not working, or at least if it worked at one time, it's not working anymore, because I, I get the feeling Vulcan's kind of a one-trick pony here. Yeah, so the Baron says he can't give her no diamonds, but fuck, she's hot as shit. Hot as shit he ever done seen. Even hotter than that one lady he would have the pleasure of being engaged to. Holy shit, you're hot. Oh, Catherine the Great. Who, that's yeah. the lady who got fucked to death by a horse, supposedly. Or the Baron, hey, hey. <laughs> Maybe he was the horse. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, supposedly. So, well, she's famous because supposedly she built a whole contraption to get fucked by the horse by and it failed and she got squished. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's that's history. That's I not know. even me coming up with that I shit. know. So, yeah, the Baron is so, into fucked up shit, man. So, God, uh, you know what? It never occurred to me. Uber was hot in this movie, but now it's like, ugh. Yeah, I, I was gonna say it's probably the most attractive she's been in a movie that I've found, but... Well, the terrible thing 16, is, so, teenage no. girls are kind of attractive in a horrible, horrible, horrible way, but yeah. Anyway, but yeah. I wouldn't... I don't, I don't think I'd find her attractive, but it's probably the prettiest I've found her. I mean, she's the least snaggletooth. I've, I've I've never had a thing for her. I mean, either. That's what I'm saying. I've never, like... I've, I've never understood, I thought she's been like, fine in movies, but... Yeah. Yeah. But you know, let's let's stop our objectifying of women for a moment and what? move on in the movie. <laughs> what are you talking about? So, uh. so she says, "What a handsome mustache! Shall we dance?" And they float off to the ballroom. Steam blasts from Vulcan's ears, and he quietly says, "Come and see the ballroom." So they go to the ballroom. Yeah. And it's great, too, because it's all water fountains and angels and shit flying over the place. Mm -hmm. And Vulcan's all like, we just had it done. Nice, isn't it? We just had it done. Oh, my God. And it's it, this is legitimately one of the loveliest parts. Uh, this is a great scene. This is yeah, yeah. the whole dancing and 
fucking Eric Idle, he realizes how wound up the Vulcan is getting, so he starts dancing too to try to like make it seem like, oh, it's a fun time, everyone's dancing, and he well, starts he's dancing He's distracting badly. Vulcan because I'm sure it's not the first time he's had to distract a husband while. Well, Baron exactly. This seems wife. to be par for the course with the Baron and his relationship with his gang members, but. And I, there's a bit- well. He, he he even says at one point, "Here we go." Oh yeah, oh yeah, that totally makes sense. I love there's yeah. a bit where like Sally, oh, is it Sally starts dancing, but the, the the Vulcan does start trying to dance, but he just starts dancing he like a monkey. He just jumps up and down. He just hops up again. He's got like the, he's got the body language of Donkey Kong. He's just like, rrr, 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 rrr. and just like yeah. he's she's trying to not be a maniac, but he's failing miserably. And it doesn't help that fucking uh the Baron does actually end up kissing Venus, and Sally's well, watching. Yeah, Sally is the Baron. They gotta go. The town, remember? And he's like, the town is not immediate danger. The town is in Im immediate danger. Sally comes in and says, the Baron is kissing your wife. This makes Vulcan very mild. <laughs> it's one of those so, things where I thought he was gonna deck Sally. But no, he's just like, yeah. what? And then he just, so, yeah, he's trying to hold his shit together. So while they dance in the heavens, Vulcan oh calls her a God. harlot. Hoo, 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 and uh, uses uh, a uh, ribbon, a big thick ribbon that yeah, the angels were the flying around yeah. with, which to, to I, grab the Baron with and pull him down. Man, the puppet work of when it's actually just the puppet version of those characters dancing in the in the actual like cotton fill uh, clouds and stuff that looks so mm -hmm. fucking good. It looks like right. Oh yeah. man. Anyway, but anyway, but yeah, uh, uh, the uh, Vulcan uses the cheruba. Uh, swaths of uh of of swaddling to start dragging the 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 Venus and the the Baron <laughs> the bear the Baron and the, the Venus down, yeah. So the Vulcan can beat them both to death with his bare hands. He picks the Baron up and carries the Baron around while calling her a floozy, which she yells at him about and says she is a goddess, but he is the god. So he carries them to a whirlpool, throws the Baron in. Albrecht tries to grab the ribbon that was attached to him and gets pulled in two. And then so, uh, yeah, Vulcan I... throws uh, Sally and Berthold in as well. So at this and point, Venus is like, <laughs> Venus is like, that shit get you wet? Yeah, you so mad. Oh yeah, uh. I forgot that. Like, oh, it's a whole thing. Like, the, like the dynamic yeah. between them switches again, and it almost gets a little wife, not just little, but like it does get really like domestic abusey, rapey for a moment. There where he's like, he looks like he's about to deck Venus, but then Venus is all like trembling, but then like. It's just they they, they kind of start making up because she's like oh, oh did I did I excite you and then yeah, yeah he and loses they kiss and it's all good now I guess so I guess the, the fucking Vulcan gets turned on by this a little bit and this point if you've never yeah. seen this movie before you're gonna think okay so is every act in this movie just gonna be about the the Baron trying to fuck some important dude's <laughs> wife and then that dude threatening to beat his <laughs> his wife to death as a result yes <laughs> Jesus Christ movie but yeah. So, uh, they get launched out the other side of the world and flail upside That's down That's right, because Vulcan, like, picks them all up and chucks them into the whirlpool in the middle of the, yeah. the, the, the volcano, yeah. And they, they, they flail upside down, and it's, it, 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 it I think I, this scene probably gave me anxiety a little bit when I first saw it. It is, they spend a, a lot kid. of time underwater and stuff like that. Oh, I do love the logic of, like, I'd love that the camera keeps the perspective from what they were at the start because like you see that like yeah. they're kicking their feet out but they're at the bottom of the world so they're at risk of drowning because up is down and down is up you know like but then suddenly the camera just turns and for some reason the camera turning fixes the orientation of all the characters within the frame and now they're suddenly yeah. turned back up so it's okay but 
And I just realized, it's... actually, I was worried about, like, we're taking too much time to talk about this movie. There's literally about ten minutes of plot left in this movie. There's more than ten minutes of movie left, but in terms of yeah. what actually happens, we're actually through the brunt of it, actually, yeah. Yeah, um, so, uh, the, Sally wants to know what's going on and why the Baron got old again, and he says that's because he got kicked out of fucking paradise. He was about to bang a goddess. And by paradise, oh, does he Jesus. mean Uma Thurman's pants? Pantaloons, I guess. Yes. Her knickers. Pink. Knickers. Yeah. So, oh, oh, knickers. Yeah, gotta make so, sure you pronounce that correctly, cause you. Yeah, I know. Don't say I, that I out really loud on the bus. <laughs> yeah, you gotta hit that. Yeah, you gotta hit your yeah, consonants you correctly hit there. Jesus Christ. Knickers. Yeah, that's. Let's go. Oof. But uh, no worries. There's an island over there. But oh shit, that ain't no volcano on that island. That's a blowhole, and that's a giant fish monster. And it eats them. What could happen next? I I was always surprised as a kid that like the solution turns out to be exactly what we saw in the story before, which not a big surprise. But I was like, it's a little bit. But I wish, kind of wish this whole sequence was a little bit something more interesting. Instead, like the next twenty minutes of the characters just inside this dank, watery set inside the fish, well, which this, is a little dour. This definitely, definitely. I I never I've never liked that they were like well. There were two fully fleshed out stories about how he got two of his band members back together. Uh, what do we do with the last two guys? Eh, they're in a fish. This feels like this. This feels like the part of the movie where they ran out of money because yeah, they they collect the two guys at the same time. It's just kind of random, like waterlogged, like like ship set. It's not. It's not really an adventure. They just get swallowed by a fish, and there's some yelling for a while. And then they get blown out of the fish, and then the rest of the movie happens. But, like, this yeah. whole, like, little act here, it's not even a full act, it's just, like, the movie spinning its wheels for ten minutes, and just kind of, like, whenever I think of the adventures of Baron Munchausen, I always forget about, like, this little interlude here. It's like, okay, time for a bathroom break. Yep. Yeah. Inside yeah. the fish, rotting boats, forsaken sailors. I mean, it looks Baron's... cool. I mean, it's all rotten. The, the, the Baron is even older now, and yeah. doesn't want a doctor. No doctors. They hear music, follow it to a light inside one of the busted-ass ships. And they find a bunch of old-ass sailors playing cards and playing music. And, uh, there's his last two band members, and one says, Uh, I, I gotta... I, I can do the voice, but Dolphus? I gotta remember how I to do I forgot that yeah. he sounds like Gollum, because he's like... You are a sailor! Oh, no, no. I was doing it at work today, yeah. Yeah, you gotta man. get... You need a little bit of phlegm. You need to work it up a little bit. It's hard to, like, go from zero to 60 and test on just, like, Adolphus, like... Because, you know what, the guy who played Adolphus, that guy, he's the screenwriter of the movie. Which kind of yeah, cracks me up, that. too. But yeah, Charles McCune, but yeah. Did he write Beetlejuice, too? Did other things. Huh? Yeah, I think he wrote what? Beetlejuice. He's written a couple other things that we would know. He's not just some yeah. asshole. But he asked if, do I hear the Baron? And, and Gustav's like, what? And use your trumpet. So, uh, poor whole inner... They're all, oh, it's everybody's I hugging. I said butthole for a second. <laughs> yep, that's why I said butthole introduces the last two members to Sally. Yeah. And uh, that they're like, we're dead. Gustav's like, we're, phase it, we're dead. Did we're they ever explain hell. how they got in here? I mean, obviously they were on a boat no. that got eaten by the fish. But yeah, they don't even explain like how they got there. At least uh, Berthold and uh, uh, Albrecht had had a little bit of a backstory here. But no, it's just like, again, this movie this is a very like abrupt version of uh, part of the movie. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Baron sits down and starts getting dealt cards, and Sally yells at he him. He gets dealt three ace of spades and the and a heart card. 
Which Ace of Spades, mm. that's the that's the, the card of death. Mm. Um, that's supposedly the, the card that uh, William Hickok... Wait, uh, oh, who's the dude who's... He's a famous Western guy. He got murdered while playing cards and he was holding that card. Supposedly that's why everyone... Uh, Doc Brown. Doc Brown. That's exactly... <laughs> you just... You, you made a Seth MacFarlane quality joke there. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> I don't think it's bad. I've laughed at a couple of Parliament jokes. <laughs> I laughed when Doc Brown showed up in the trailer for that old West movie he, uh, movie he made. But yeah, but it turns out that one of the card players at the table is Death. Mm-hmm. Death loses its shit. Just explodes. Yeah. Well, Sally screams and slaps the cards away from oh, Death, is that what which it makes was? it vanish. Okay, yeah. And the Baron calls out a horrible little rat, and he really hit, he rolls the R in that rat. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's the you... training you get when you're working at the old Vic uh, Conservatory in, in London. Yeah. That's the stage uh, why, who, why won't you let him die? But, oh, shit. What's that crashing through the wall? It's the Baron's horse. You shuffleies, my shuffleies. And it's animated. It's like the horse from Spumco from Ren and Stimpy. It's just all very angry at everything. Mm-hmm. And he um, says, no, sir. I don't like it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what the, what the gimmick of that horse was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Powder it's, Toast Man would fit in this universe. It's a good omen, what? And the, the Baron is all about adventure now, and finds it's a little bit of modicum of snuff. He's most advantageous. Oh, so I see he, what they did there. He blows some snuff in the air, and the fish sneezes them all out its blowhole, and complete with landing in a boat. Yeah, I guess something, yeah, kind of, the, this is kind of, again, this is part of the abruptness of the scene randomness that it's not like oh isn't it a crazy tall tale randomness it's more just like well we got to keep the plot moving kind of randomness but yeah, yeah they're in a boat they're, they're like, in the water the fish is gone where's the baron no no nobody sees what the baron they all get worried but no need to worry no he's not dead come on he'll he'll lift himself and the horse out of the water by pulling on his own ponytail that is one of the, the greatest that is fucking, like, that. just as an image, that is fantastic. And the fact that he strikes a lone ranger pose on top of his horse in the middle of this water tank, and it just looks super cool. I'm kind of surprised that wasn't, like, the big poster image they used for this movie or something. But okay. but when you think, okay, well, this is, okay, we had such a slow, pokey, like, kind of, like, miniature third act there. You're thinking, okay, okay, this is, he pulls himself out of the water. It's time for the movie to get it shit together and start, like, you know, start going crazy. But then, no, they just... Well, their water, their boat breaks. Well, they, they what? They sail home. Oh, don't they? How do they sail home? Yeah. Oh, okay. Every everybody on the beach starts shooting at them with cannons, and the uh, boat breaks apart. Okay, I thought they just sank the Baron, the Baron tries to give them orders, but they're old now. And Man, I really they're told and between the Vulcan ship... and the final attack against the Turks, I really tune out of this whole movie. Like, I don't remember mm. any of this. The ship gets blasted apart, and they all wade to shore. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Okay, yeah. Sally says they might as well give up now, and Baron's like, No, don't say that. Not you. And then later, they're all on the beach, and he's trying to lay out some plans well, on how to attack. turns out the fish has just brought them right to the shore of the town that Sally's from, so at least they've come back. Yeah. Um, but but S- Sally says it's no use, and all the, the, all the guys are old and tired, and... Baron throws down his weapons and says he's gonna turn himself in. This is bullshit. And he's gonna end the war one way or another. And if they ever want to see Baron Munchausen again, they better do something about it. Oh, that's right, because he's trying to arrange a plan and no one's paying attention. He just gets really angry and he just walks... Yes, just stomps off, yeah. Yeah. So Baron goes and sees the Sultan, who's having a meeting with Brazil, and 
the Sultan will surrender in two weeks. And then the Sultan's like, but why should we? We're winning. And because uh, we surrendered the last time. What about the virgins? Forget the virgins. I want there you to call no Jonathan Price and do this we voice at him to fuck virgins. with him. <laughs> Hello, Jonathan Price. A few from 1988 come to talk to you about <laughs> long distance deals with Sprint Interactive. I don't know, something. Sprint Interactive. Yeah, something. I don't know, joke. I just, yeah, okay. I ran out of material there at the end. I only got two hours to sleep uh, left. I'm pokey. But yeah. So Now we're getting the, a good part of the movie again, though. The Baron bursts into the tent and lets the Sultan know that if he still wants his head, it's his. He is tired of it. I do like that, how he's just like, fuck everybody. You really get the idea yeah. that he is kind of like, maybe the, my friends will come and save you, but I don't give a shit. I just don't, like, I, something needs to happen here, which it's kind of like like a meta thing for the whole film at this point. It's like, okay, uh, we've had enough fucking around, he, time for shit to happen. He knows that his friends are going to come through because so. he, he gets his head put on the chopping block. Although, and I mean, if the ending the, of this movie can't... is to be believed, he's gotten wiped out a couple times. It's not like he's uh, immune to death, but, yeah. yeah. The camera pulls back, showing more and more extras watching this about That is, again, one of my favorite shots, because, hey, yeah, how they pan out to kind of show the size of the Turks' army. Uh, yeah, the dolly shot of the camera pulling back, and the like the, the extras stepping in to call it co cover up the camera tracks as the camera's pulling out. Mm -hmm. But it's just a really cool shot. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that's, like, custom-made for the trailer, yeah. Yeah, and, and the Sultan asks if he's got any famous last words, and he says, Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> So Are those, he's like, he says, oh, is, is that famous? I thought that was kind of yeah. funny. The executioner's yeah. about to chop his head off, but Kerblanzo, his blade gets shot off and goes spinning and chops off the top of the Sultan's hat. So, uh... It's, and this, this actually, the rest, between this and the, the parade at the end of the movie, this is also just hijinks, where it's just like, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the Baron the, rides, he hops onto his horse and rides into the Sultan's tent. And it looks like he's going to yeah. stab the Sultan for a moment, but then just cuts the support for the Sultan's tent. Yeah, he does chop a bunch of fools' heads off. Yeah! Pop off, like, like uh, champagne corks. Which, that's pretty yeah, great. He is having a grand old time. Yeah, he's just and, having a good time killing everyone. All these infidels Goose, who won't swear fealty to Christ. Gustav starts blowing everybody everywhere, and... and just, <laughs> it's very effective. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he blows everyone away. Well, I forgot that he... Because he's obviously out of breath after blowing them away, so he has to take a big in intake of air, and that blows everyone back again. Which, no, I thought I that was it. funny. And then, like, women's panties fly into his mouth, and he's about to explode, mm -hmm. but then he pops it out, and then he blows them all back again. And that's yeah. kind of his whole contribution to this whole fight, is kind of fucking... <laughs> sucking an entire army backwards, forwards, and backwards again. Yep, a sniper's gonna take out the Baron, but Adolphus is gun jams, so he can't, so... He does Blackhawk Go <laughs> And so he he does he Fortunately, takes off that's the, I think that's the last time Charles McCune had to talk in this movie. But <laughs> yeah, so at least you don't have to worry about doing it anymore yourself. But yeah. He he, he starts to run and he he does and he trips over rocks and fly flies. That's off a funny cliff. gag, because he falls and, in the flat in well, his face in the sand and it's all like, Oh no, what's gonna happen next? <laughs> I do recall that when I first saw the movie when I was a kid it that part like made me laugh my ass off. It's totally like, oh, what's it? Really, the joke is, man, fall down. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Never not funny. Yeah. So, Burhol runs towards the sniper, but turns around at the last second because the sniper gets the shot off, and he has to chase the bullet, but he can't grab it because it hurts his hands. Yeah. It's ouchies. It's hot. <laughs> it's spinning. 
So he gets ahead of it, uh, grabbing a piece of arm armor. Yeah, he gets like a gauntlet it. and uses it, holds it up and kind of uses it as a U device to kind of like reflect the the bullet yeah, back ricochets at the sniper. back at the sniper, yeah. which kills that guy. And Baron's like, "Fucking be useful for once in your miserable life. I can't do everything." And then Eric Idle passes out and gives, actually, just gives Terry. It says, "Fuck you, Terry Gilliam," and falls asleep. <laughs> uh. So. uh... The Baron leads a bunch of dudes in a circle, and just riding horses in a circle, and uh, and then he starts spinning in place and just killing anybody who who dares to come near him. Well, they do a gag that he keeps on going around in a circle faster and faster until like it looks like there's twelve the Barons, <laughs> like because like the, yeah. And, but yeah, he starts spinning in a circle and Calliope music starts kicking in. It's like turning into yeah. the Joker from uh, Tim Burton's Batman for a moment here. But yeah, he starts knocking people on their asses, and I can't remember how this ends. Uh, Adolphus shoots a uh, 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 cannon lighting oh, something, and stuff starts to yeah. explode. Albrecht pulls a bunch of boats out of the water with their anchors as Gustav blows a mouse by an elephant, which scares it, and all sorts of chaos is all over the place. And the Sultan gets drug off by the elephants inside his tent, and... And Albrecht spins the boats in a circle by the anchors and throws them at the retreating Turks, killing the fuck out of them. And the good guys win. Everybody in the That's town it. is also happy, <laughs> except for Brazil, who slinks away, being all evil and shit. Yeah, he's he's pretty much Skeletor at the end of an episode of He-Man at this point. Just like, I'll get you next time, He-Man. <laughs> I'll be back next time, He-Man. So we don't get to see what specifically, like, it's not the Sultan ever gets killed or anything, huh? No, he just gets drug away. Okay. Which that's, I mean, this so, movie's not about killing the Sultan, it's about saving the town, no. but I couldn't remember if there was any specific comeuppance for him. I mean, the real no. villain in this movie is Death, the secondary villain is Jonathan Price, Brazil, and the third villain, I guess, is kind of the Sultan, but, yeah. Yeah. So now there's a parade for the Baron, yay, everybody's super stoked about yay. the whole thing, yay! The end of the they movie, credits, made... you can skip this part, nothing interesting happens to anyone. They, they they even made a new head for the statue from earlier in the movie, with, but it's the Baron, I, they're very fast. Uh, uh, maybe it just got knocked if they I mean maybe it probably just got blown off and they found it although it's not like got a shattered neck it is it's almost like an action figure where they just have to put it back on <laughs> it's not like yeah so that was was it already a statue of the Baron then oh yeah no I think that's what it was because like well even oh, okay. like if you see that like uh it's like his dogs and stuff that are next to him I think it is supposed mm. to be which okay. actually that kind of suggests that the time was kind of a circle in this universe and that this has happened before or something like that but yeah I always assumed yeah. it was always supposed to be a statue of the Baron Okay. Yeah, I might be uh, reading into it, but that's what I always assumed. So everybody's very happy, except for Brazil, who shoots the Baron in the chest from his spot behind the Death statue, which comes to life. Yeah, it explodes open, and it turns out Death's inside it. Yeah. And they bring a doctor, but, ah, oh, shit, that ain't no doctor, that's Death disguised as doctor. Yeah, I do love, yeah, it's Death disguised as, like, a 12-foot doctor with, like, some kind of weird hat on, all dressed mm -hmm. in black, and he comes, oh, I'm gonna inspect the Baron, he says. In a he weird accent. That. I'm going to expect... Death doesn't use, I'm, use the talking, so... I'm going to expect him. I'm going to fish what's wrong with him. Yeah, he sounds like that one guy from Back to the Future 3, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, God, what's so, that actor's name? I should know that, but... Anyway, but yeah, he starts in, in, so, investigating the, the Baron... Yeah, Sally can see that it's Death, but tries to stop him, but she can't. They hold her back, and Death takes the life from the Baron, and it's all, Meh, I got it! And 
Now they're burying. I don't know if your mic's a little bit wonky, but every time you make a loud sound, it cuts out in the middle of it, which makes it sound like you just broke everything because you're like, which actually kind of adds to the humor for me. But anyway, uh, okay, I, I think it's fine on my end. Yeah. Uh, well, so, I'm not worried uh, about it, but yeah. So then, um, uh, the Baron's dead. Everybody's sad. Well, it turns so out the skeleton is actually he's he's. We didn't specifically mention this, but the whole time that the uh, the 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 Grim Reaper's been after uh, the Baron, he's been trying to steal. What seems to be the Baron's soul out of his mouth? Yeah. Uh, and he actually does succeed and fly away, and it's kind of fucked up, and then it, it cuts back to what, like, everyone else sees, and you see that the Doctor, or that the Baron's dead, and everyone's super sad, yeah. and... and it's a hell of a way to end a movie, man. Yep, so here's his funeral. We're yeah. really just going full speed through this ending, huh? And well, we, there's no time to waste. No, we still got some, all. you know, we've been recording for a little while. Yeah, no, he's lowered into the ground. And, no, I'm talking about the actual movie itself. Well, that's what I'm saying, us. like, plot-wise. Like, once you get through the middle point of the movie, the whole, like, last half of the movie is kind of a weird, weirdly meandering rush. It's, like, if you yeah. uh, when you're giving, like, a plot, plot-by-plot, plot, or beat-by-beat beat plot synopsis, there's not a lot to talk about, because it is just kind of hijinks, the last half of this yeah. movie. Yeah. So his body gets lowered into the ground, and then we're back in the present day where he's chuckling. And that was only one of the many occasions where I met my death. Which, that's a great Every, wrap up. Every, uh, that's, yeah. yeah. Everybody's on stage kind of blinking and seeming unsure if what just happened actually happened or if they were acting the whole time. And I didn't realize in this time. Oh, you know what? Actually, that is the. Um, the, the, the stage now has changed into a stage version of the end of the movie. Like, it's, it's, it's a big cardboard cutout of the statue of Baron Munchausen that does say, you know, that it dedicated Baron Munchausen, savior of the yeah. city and stuff like that, yeah. So then, but then Brazil bursts into the theater demanding the balance of last for spreading stories at this style again, time when Brazil, the enemies this thing, are at the gates. This is the most, again, even though this is the end of the war, this is still the one thing Brazil can worry about is whether or not, like, what's going on in this goddamn theater. Jesus yeah. Christ. So the, the uh, Baron Munchausen's like, ah, fuck that, it's bullshit. Open the gates! And uh, they, he leads everybody outside, open the gates. But then Brazil stops him with all the soldiers and says to shoot anybody who disobeys his order. And Sally's dad says some shit. Grass the mantle. Grass. It tries to. Well, it kind of leads into this poetic. whole thing of like Sally's dad is trying to be a better person, or he's he's got this like slightly inflated self ego that it seems like he's trying to live up to his self image of himself. So he's the mm -hmm. one person who actually tries to stand with the the Baron a little bit. But even he's a little bit like. He grabs Sally and he's like, come on, Sally, we don't want to get mowed down, at least, but... Yeah, uh, but, it, but then the Baron says, no, 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 quite wrong, open the gates! And they all just walk through the soldiers. Yeah, it's just... Through, I thought... The, I, well, I was like, okay, I thought well, there was going to be more of a thing there, but no, I guess it's no, just... Well, well, Brazil pisses his pants like a whiny little piss boy. Yeah, it's kind of like 80s teen comedy where it's just the bully's just like, Oh, why am I not popular like the good guys? <laughs> just, nah. so, so they open they the gates. They did and, huh. save the community center after all. <laughs> <laughs> they open the gates and there ain't no Turks out there. Just the Baron's horse. <laughs> it's just a bunch of turkeys. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they just go, they do that literal thing, yeah. He, he, he climbs on his horse and looks at the, the dames and there's oh beautiful ladies. Beautiful, beautiful ladies. ladies. And he sees Uma Thurman and is like, mm, beautiful teenagers. God, and he starts, you're old enough to be my great-great-great-granddaughter, <laughs> but no. 
he starts to give her a rose, but Sally's like, it wasn't just a story, was it? And he's of all like, three of her teeth. He's like, no. And he throws the rose at her in disgust. You know what? People did point out that online that, like, he's gonna give a rose to uh, Fight Club. Not Fight Club. Kill Bill. Fight Club. Uh, but mm -hmm. then when he throws the rose down to Sally, it turns into the, into a Scarlet Pimpernel, which is a reference mm. to the Donald Duck cartoon. Wait, Daffy Duck cartoon. You see what I'm doing there? Because that's actually based off of a literary adventure book series like Baron Munchausen, but the joke is that I'm just saying it's a reference to a Looney Tunes <laughs> cartoon that is just of itself. <laughs> Shut up, Bill. It's like if like it's like if you don't think opera actually exists outside of what's opera doc. You're like, oh wow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the I keep on wanting to call him the doctor because the uh, the Baron is so much like the doctor from Doctor Who. But yeah, the but the Baron then rides off almost <gasps> literally into the sunset. Oh, Bill, how many essays do you think are online that start with, Is Baron Munchausen a Time Lord? <laughs> you know what? You know what the funny thing is? I'm sure that really predates the internet, too, because I'm sure people in, like, 1989, they were like, Arr! Especially because I think Doctor Who just been canceled, so they are probably like, mm. If you ever wanted to see a Doctor Who movie, the Baron Munchausen is going to be the closest thing you're ever going to get to it, which is actually not entirely wrong. But, mm. yeah, but Baron, he rears up on his horse, he does... I don't know if he, he rides. Does, yeah, he he rides away from the town with Sally's dad showing her that he got ads made that say "daughter" now. Oh, that's feels, right. That, it feels a little forced, but whatever. Happy ending. That's yeah. And and then the Baron rides to a hill and his rears up on his horse and goes push and vanishes in the thin air. It's Infinity the, War all over again. Um, the end. The end. And it's like the one Terry Terry Gilliam movie with a happy ending. Yeah. Even though the hero technically dies in the end. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's 1988's The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Is a good movie. Yeah, and it's also a little bit uh, crazy to talk about a movie like this where it's so much of the beauty in this movie is just the visuals. I mean, the characters and stuff are fun too, but like, it, it's 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 like that's why I was harping so much at the beginning about like the production design and everything in this movie because that's so much what I love about this movie too. But I mean, you know, I like the characters and everything too. But goddamn, pretty ass movie. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm glad we talked about this. Uh, in terms of... I tried to look up um, making of stuff about this movie, and it's all... It's a huge mess. Um, yeah. There's a book I I bought and read back in the day called Losing the Light. If you just want to read, like, 300 pages about the making and almost destruction of this film. Um, it was just one of those things where... Um, I, I think Terry Gilliam on the making of stuff for the Blu-ray of this movie talks about how he had found a cartoon about Baron Munchausen that sounds like it's the same vintage of the cartoon that you were talking about, and mm -hmm. part of me wonders if that might be the same thing. Uh, mm, which that'd be, be. kind of crazy, the cartoon that you found, if it, that turns out to be what he, got Terry Gilliam interested in Baron Munchausen. He does pull it, his himself out of the water with his ponytail in that cartoon. There's a deleted scene where he punches a, he punches Jonathan Price through the butthole and rings him inside out. <laughs> <laughs> a battle and what are you doing to do you, do, <laughs> who what who do you want to post that animated gif bill you me our tardy oh i think all three of us we just start a barrage okay. against the internet <laughs> we just in <laughs> the same moment too we make it so anyone who vaguely knows us can't get rid of it oh my <laughs> god can't hour. escape it yeah um <laughs> so but yeah so uh terry gillum he decided he wanted to 
I guess after making Brazil and Time Bandits, he was like, okay, you know, I'm going to do something that's going to be a little more crowd-pleasing. I'm going to make a movie based off this book that no one's ever heard of before. And yeah. uh, and he even tried to make it as small as possible, and he talks about how his original version of the movie's budget was budgeted for, like, $35 million, but he had to, like, knock it down to, like, $20 million to get the movie made. But the original version... the The movie... I think the studio claims that the movie wound up costing double that. It cost like $45 million. But he claims, Terry Gilliam mm. claims that the movie, quote unquote, only went $15 million over budget and only cost $35 million that he told everyone that it was going to cost in the first place. Which is still not a great way of like saying, I only went 50% over budget, not 100% over budget. Um, but yeah, this is one of those things too. There's a whole thing with on Brazil where uh, he was being fucked with by the studio during the making of that movie. This was more, he, um, it sounds like they had a bunch of production issues where uh, they filmed this movie in Italy, in Rome, and it sounds like uh, it wasn't the studio so much fucking with Terry Gilliam as, as much as it was the uh, the production unit in Rome was doing everything they could to fleece the production out of every, every fucking penny they could. So they were Springfield? Exactly, that's almost exactly what it sounds like. But then, also, as they were wrapping up the film, it was widely over budget and stuff, uh, the, there was a regime change at the studio, so they got the movie finally done, but there was a thing where, um, I guess Columbia Stu Columbia was the studio that, w that had greenlit and was financing the movie. The guy who was in charge of Columbia at the time wanted to turn, uh, Columbia Pictures into this anti-Hollywood, uh, studio, where they would make, like, they would make, like, art films and stuff like that, and that's why they were like, oh yeah, this Adventures of Baron Munchausen movie sounds really cool, we're, t we're totally behind this. And, mm -hmm. but, <laughs> because every movie that guy greenlit bombed horrifically, because that's a terrible idea in Hollywood, if you want to try to keep your job to say, hey, we're going to make anti-Hollywood uh, film studio. He got shit-canned right as they were wrapping up, like, editing Baron Munchausen. And the lady who came in and replaced him, this is a thing you'll hear a lot in, in making of Hollywood stories where uh, movies get caught between a regime change where the person uh, that's coming in who's new uh, doesn't want any of the projects from the person who they've just replaced to succeed because that might make yeah. them look bad. It becomes a personal thing. They're not so much worried about like you know the, the studio making profits. They're just worried about how things look. So they'll just bury uh, whatever's coming out that was greenlit by the person before them. And so... That's what essentially happened to Baron Munchausen. I mean, there wasn't. I mean, Baron Munchausen was never going to be a money-making hit, but still, I think they only struck less than a hundred prints of the movie uh, to mm. release in the United States. So it barely. It was like out for like a weekend in like a hundred, less than a hundred theaters. And I guess it did kind of relatively okay in Europe, which you know it's such a European centric movie in the first place that kind of makes sense but yeah pretty much it was doa at the box office i saw it in theaters like i said i was tracking the development of this movie for years in the in the science fiction magazines and stuff like that but yeah i saw it in a practically empty empty movie theater in 1988 um Sad. but yeah it since went on to become kind of a cult classic and um after this this made it really difficult for Terry Gilliam to do big budget movies. I think the movie he did after this was like the Fisher King, which the whole point of that movie was mm. like that we'll have little touches of Terry Gilliam pretty pictures and stuff, but it mostly it'll take place. It'll be location shooting in New York. It won't be super expensive. We're not going to be building all of our own sets or anything like that. Man, they yeah, talk about I'm... in uh, the the fleecing in Rome was so bad uh, that 
when they they had uh, most of this movie was supposed to be filmed in locations in and around Rome, and when they actually showed up to film in most of these locations, uh, the 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 places that were going to rent these locations out to the st uh, to the production had just suddenly like quadrupled their fees, and so they were like, you know, it's actually going to be cheaper for us to build all of these sets rather than just film them on location, like you know the big ballroom where mm. the where the Baron and the uh, Venus dance that they had a location set up that was but they realized it's just cheaper to just build it ourselves and it was just extra ridiculous because then they didn't at that point if you're just filming the whole set on uh, filming the whole movie in sound stages they could have just done that in London where the whole yeah. production was built out of anyway so they on top of that they were just wasting money on like mail like shipping stuff out to Rome to just these sets that they weren't even planning on building on in the first place and so the whole movie was shot on sets that mm -hmm. they never e were even anticipating having to build, and so that's a big part of why the movie costs so much money. At least according to Terry Gilliam. There's two sides to every story in Hollywood, but... Um, mm -hmm. but... Yeah, but still! They wound up producing a pretty funny, pretty, 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 beautiful goddamn movie that we both really enjoy. Yeah. And... Also, you have to... There's also some bit of autobiography in there where you've got this... <laughs> Sally's dad trying to put on this production of Baron Munchausen as the world's falling apart around him. Which, you know, of course, yeah, that yeah. mirrors, mirrors uh, Terry Gilliam's uh, attempt to actually make the movie that you're watching that this is all happening and when in, to begin with. But, yeah, that's... That is the life and adventures of Baron Munchausen. It's good. It's good. We talked about a good movie that we knew it was going to be good! That feels so good! <laughs> that feels like when you poop and you don't have to wipe because it's such clean poop. Mm-hmm. You can just be like, you can hear the poop break off like a stick. It's so clean. It's like a crystal shattering. And you're like, Your actually, I these are always I, just. It's I feel fresher for having pooped than, than, than having not pooped. That's what this movie yeah. was, at least to me. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, next time the movie is not as good as uh, this, but I've honestly forgotten what it, we're doing for the rest of the month. It holds a special place in my heart, and I've wanted to talk about it for a long time, but it's a movie that Bill has seen, but I want to talk to him about it. Oh, God, what is and it? Next week, we're going to talk about The Last Unicorn. Oh, shit, that's right. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about that thing. Have we never talked about I'm sure we've talked about the movie, but I, that feels like a project we should have done, but, you know, I'm sure that's probably one of the first things we talked about, but we, we both had seen it. And they were, like, yeah. disappointed that we both had seen it before. Yes. Man, that's another one of those movies, too, that, like, I always forget, like, the second half of that movie. Because I just always remember when the first half, where she's a unicorn, she's like, I'm Well, a unicorn. that's because Mia, Mia Farrow sings and your head just goes, no, thank you. Yeah. And she, and she, it, it does, it just walks away. Your your brain just Don't leaves you your body. do run into Tron? He's like a prince at the end? Mm-hmm. Oh, my. That's the thing. I forgot that, and, like. And Odo's in there, too. I only yeah exactly yeah that's something I only found out until super recently. All I remember is fucking Rich Little showing up and like being <laughs> what the fuck he is in that movie, and then her being all like sexy naked unicorn to be like hello I'm a unicorn, I'm turning all the children out of my naked buttocks in the forest, and then that's it. the sat and also the, that that theme song for the last unicorn is that's that's a good fucking theme song for a unicorn movie. Just, yeah, uh, we'll talk about that next time. As much of a genre as theme <laughs> unicorn movie theme songs is, that's I keep on looking up on iTunes every day to see if there's new songs in that genre, but there never seems to be. But 
Uh, oh my god, did I just talk about how much I want to fuck the last unicorn? Yes. You sure did. You sure did. You know, if you could so get naked 16-year-old for... Uma Thurman on that yeah, last unicorn, that's like, mm, how you doing? <laughs> Wait, sure. Why not just... <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, anyway. Well, he's muttered on Twitter. I'm the Grumpy Turtle on Twitter. Tardy Podcast on Twitter. TardyPodcast.com. <sighs> share us around. You know, we're talking about good stuff that we know we like. So let's it's a good stuff. Together. If you like this, it's maybe we'll just change stuff. the whole podcast. Now talking about stuff we like. It, this feels so yeah. good. Yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll do it more often. I do. I, this this is kind of the feeling when you first jerk off for the first time. You're like, this is something I could do to my body that makes me feel really good. I should do this more often. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did I do to myself? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So next time, it's it's Last Unicorn, so just find out and watch it, because it's worth it. Or as I call it, the Lust Unicorn. Mm-hmm. How you doing? Mm-hmm. How you doing over How there with doing? those yeah. pants and mm, put you in a cage? Yep. Yes, sir, and we have no witty outro for this week, because... Yeah, what? Yeah, I'm we're trying to think of even a reference we could do the movie, we could just fade out. Beautiful women. Beautiful listeners. It's Beautiful listeners. <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see it, but we're both on horses. Clop, 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 mm-hmm. clop. We're pulling roses out of our pockets and handing them to you, whoever is listening to this now. You Right yep. now, you're getting two roses from the both of us, and we both want to fuck you so hard if you give so us your hard. underwear. Mm. Knickers. <laughs> Knickers. Until next time, keep filling your holes with polyculture. Goodbye, everybody. Did somebody just step on Donald Duck? Yeah, God, no, that's what it's... <laughs> it's like Gollum and Donald Duck fucked and had a kid and <laughs> wanted to become a sharpshooter. Okay, take care, guys. Good boy. Bye.